0: All right, we're back, back for more on inappropriate Earl, hot off the heels of one of the hot chart toppers last week with Adam Gifford from the legendary Sunset Strip '80s metal band Paradise, not Par a Dice Paradise, like Hulk Hogan's uh, shitty show Paradise uh, Alley or Thunder or something. Oh, the Stallone, that was a Paradise Alley Stallone movie back when he didn't make 80 sequels to every fucking film he made but uh, you know there you go but today I have a very special guest this guy's what they call in the business a real up and comer <laughs> <laughs> He's one of, really, uh, my only true friends in the business, even though we don't see each other a lot. Uh, if I ever had something bad happen to me, he'd be one of the first calls I would make. Uh, you know, if I got a girl pregnant, if I needed porn for uh, a friend of mine, this guy's your go-to guy. One of the funniest comics I know, and I know a lot of them. Give it up for the one, the only, Mr. Yoshi Obayashi.
1: Earl Thank you very much. That's a very, very, very nice of you to say that. I'm even surprised you even tried to say my last name. A lot of them are afraid to say it. I, I, I went for it. How do you say your last name? Oh, exactly. Obayashi. Obayashi. You're going to just stand there all day?
0: Dude, I move around. Oh, okay. You know, at the age of 46, not at the age of 46, but the age, <laughs> I got to move around. So
1: We're the same age, too. That's great.
0: And we both look good. We both are 46, but could play 44. <laughs>
1: Um, first of all, I have to say, uh, to my friend, Freddie Korea, he told me to mention that he's a huge fan of yours in Vegas. So hey. he told me to say uh, hello to you.
0: And he does a great Earl impression. Does he? He calls into, I believe, Punch Drunk, which is, uh, obviously our friends, uh, Jason Tebow, Ari Shafir, Sam Tripoli, I think Steven Renezizi uh, on Select, uh, episodes he calls into their podcast and uh, great
1: guys absolutely great
0: guys yeah i mean that's he's you know he's a friend he's a i think he has a podcast as well in vegas and uh, if you're ever in vegas and you need a comedy uh room to take some
1: invite but uh, yeah, yeah yeah
0: so uh you know fred's a good man and uh you know you're one of the guys i wanted on the podcast from day one just a friend of mine who uh you know i'm friends with in and out
1: of the business uh You were you were always good to me from day one. Um what was that room that we met was it in Van Nice? Yeah, it was uh like a
0: shitty no Valley Village, McRed's. Okay. Which was uh now it's a Walgreens, you know, and you could still hear the bad jokes if you go down the diarrhea aisle.
1: We don't I don't wanna get in detail, but I, I, I remember I recognized your last name and you were kind of surprised and uh, it was a fun, fun, fun night.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm you know everyone knows by now. I'm uh, my aunt is Ethel Kennedy, and you know it's it's just by marriage, so that's you know it's no big deal. I mean, if it was by blood or something, I'd probably be headlining B rooms
1: in the Midwest. Do you watch Game of Thrones? I've never watched it. Oh, okay. But you, you, I would consider a blue blood.
0: Well, I mean, you know, because I you do blue material. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do a porn called Blue Blood, Blue Balls. (laughs) It's still in development, but now my, uh, you know, I'm a marketer. You know, my favorite band, Kiss, is known more for their marketing than music. And I think with the 40th anniversary of Jaws, uh, that's being re-released in
1: theaters, which I will go see. Absolutely. I mean... Can we talk about... um, That's a too interesting thing because we're old enough to appreciate that. Um, I'm not really familiar with... um, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with KISS As much as you Jim Norton And Russell Peters I mean those guys Love KISS You know Well yeah you. It's like uh... But when I was a kid uh, I, I was a little afraid Coming to the states Because I didn't know anything Of America And I remember One summer Before the trip We saw a Interview Of KISS In Japan And I asked my dad What the fuck is that You know And then uh, He was telling me that's the Americans, you know. So I, there was a moment I thought Americans all look like. That. Well, they do uh, without yeah. the makeup. But I did I did meet Jim Simmons multiple times because of the porn stuff that I used to do, and I have to say he was very very nice, and I do respect him for a lot for work ethic and man talk about marketing genius, absolutely a genius.
0: Well, I don't know if I would say he's a genius, and it's
1: funny. Oh, you think just- he's shameless.
0: Well, well, it might be one and the same, which is weird because I just saw his kid at my gym, Mm -hmm. and it's frightening to see his son Nick, who looks really tall, right? Like a very good-looking, young, obviously younger version of Mm -hmm. him, Uh, you know. But in regards to uh, his marketing, like. You know, I I think uh, he reminds me of a gym I used to work at. I used to work at uh, 24-Hour Fitness, which was uh, before they became 24-Hour Fitness, they were called Bally's. Yeah. And uh, just the worst customer service ever. But their, you know, their, you know, feather in their cap was they knew they could have bad service because, you know, Tomorrow, five people are going to sign up. So if five of your customers are complaining, it's like, who cares? You got five new ones tomorrow. I mean, I used to do the stats at night, and literally, on average, I would say anywhere from five to ten people signed up every day. Is that right? So, now, this was a pretty popular, uh, because it was in a heavily uh, populated area of Santa Monica, so, uh, and there's not that many gyms around, so it's like if someone com- comes up to you at the front desk and says, Hey man, the jacuzzi's not working. I'm going to cancel my membership. It's like, go ahead. We need the room. We got five to 10 signing up tomorrow. All right. And that's what I think kiss is like. Yes. Bally's <laughs> was good business, you know, but they could have done so much better business if they took care of their, uh, long time customers, you know, cause then you'd have them and the new ones. And it's the same thing with kiss, like, You know, KISS puts out all these awful products, condoms, coffins, beer mugs. Yeah, uh, You know, and it's like, if you made better music,
1: you'd keep your old fan base. I guess it's almost like shotgun approach. Like, you're going to hit something, I guess. Oh, yeah. uh, Instead of being a quality sharpshooter who, you know what I mean? Like, it's a big difference, a different approach to doing business, I guess. And who am I to say, uh, give him business advice? Mm. Uh, it worked. But what you're saying, like, they could even make more yeah, money. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, like,
0: I remember once, uh, and I think I might have told this story on the podcast before. I, I try not to tell uh, repeat stories, but uh, you know my ex-girlfriend,
1: Shelly. Sure, uh, wonderful person.
0: Awesome person. We're, we're buds. Uh, had, had some turbulence uh, after the initial breakup, but we're cool. And uh, we walked into Jerry's Deli one night. And we saw uh, Paul Stanley Mm -hmm. and uh, the guitar player in Kiss Now, who they dress up as Ace. It's like the Jewish menudo with Kiss. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And we sat down, some small talk, because Shelly used to work with them on their convention
1: tour. Um, And she's the manager for Motorhead, right?
0: Motorhead and uh, Zebrahead, which is... uh, A lot of heads. Yeah. Not in my world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this was right around when Kiss was releasing the box set, so the conversation got steered to that, and uh, Shelley looks at Paul and points to me and goes, Paul, this is the guy you should ask what should be on the box set, and uh, Paul Stanley kind of looked at me like, and I know what he was thinking, who are you mm-hmm. to tell me what should be on my box set, and right. I just looked at him and go, Paul, I know what you're thinking, I'm the guy who's going to buy it, and I gave him a list of eight songs that should be on the box set. And yeah. I'm not, it probably wasn't because of me, but every song I told him was on the box set. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, cause the, that box set for Kiss was like, this is going to be the, mo- Gene Simmons was going on. This is going to be the mother of all box sets. Sure. Everyone's box sets will be compared to ours. And, you know, it came out, could have been a lot better, but it's, I'm sure it made them money, but it's like. <laughs>
1: I, I think I think this is not just their problem, but I think when you're that successful and rich and and powerful, I think you have a lot of yes men and, and absolutely. And, and I've had problems with this with some of my rich friends. Like uh, I, I know so many people, like super rich and famous. That there's one commodity that they can buy, which is people being honest with them, you know, Yeah. instead of saying things that they want to hear, you should tell them the things that they need to be hearing. And I think comedians are famous for that, but some people can hear that kind of stuff, you know? And I think you would have been perfect because not only are you a fan, but you want what's best for them, but you're right. They're probably responsible. Who the fuck is this guy?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, and Paul was nice, you know, yeah. he, he kind of looked at me and, and, you know, it's like, I, uh, co-host now uh roddy roddy piper's podcast and uh truly one of the greatest of all the the, the number one heel of all time i mean as a kid yeah i fucking hated him i'm like this guy's
1: a dick i met him through russell peters one time years ago he was really nice yeah
0: oh he's the most and that's the funny thing when you get to meet him you kind of expect him to be a dick and you know bitter and yeah he's just like the nicest guy on earth uh but You know, we, after WrestleMania, he asked me what I thought. And, you know, he's got to kind of toe the line because, you know, he's, he, at some point we'll go back to the WWE and and do things for them. So he can't, you know, and and the subject came up of uh, this wrestler Sting and uh, Sting's the only wrestler to never go to the WWE uh, he always said no because he's reborn Christian, and he's like, I'm not going to be involved in some brawn panties angle, and, yeah. and uh, so he finally came to the WWE this year, and uh, it was a horrible match. They they totally made him look like a
1: buffoon. Why would they do that?
0: Well, that's the thing, and, and and so Piper can't really say that, but uh, you know, I'm telling him exactly what was wrong with the angle, how it could have been better money for the company if they had had Sting win, because a lot of the younger fans don't know who he is, which is crazy to me. Yeah. You know, cause Sting
1: is like, he's a top. I'm not saying this to, to, to make fun of him of age or anything like, but like, how could you make fun of Babe Ruth? Yeah. Or, or Ted Williams of the baseball, you know, like, and if you're a young person and you, you don't know about these things, shame on you because all that shit is available on YouTube. If you really want to know. And he, I mean WrestleMania won, man. I mean, it was massive. I mean, how exciting was that as a kid?
0: Oh yeah, and and you know? like, uh, but but Sting is, is like, he's an iconic figure in wrestling. Yeah, and all you know, I think a lot of people respected him because he always turned the WWE down. And uh, you know, I would have loved to have been his career advisor on this because I would have told him, you know, you have to win your first match in the WWE because. Yeah. The fans who don't know who you are, if you lose, are just going to be like, that's the old dude who lost, who we don't really know a lot. Whereas if he wins, I would even go up to Vince McMahon, and I would tell Vince McMahon this. I said, you have Sting win. You're going to have every young kid who watched that show go, who's that guy Sting? I want to buy his DVD and figure out who he is. I want to buy. That's the guy who beat Triple H, who's like the main bad guy right now. And, of course, he lost. And it's like his – I don't know how they use him again because it's like – they embarrass him several different ways, which, you know, I won't go into because it's not really a wrestling podcast today. But, yeah. you know, I would have loved to have been in Vince McMahon's office and go, don't have Triple H win because he doesn't need the win. Sting needs the win to build his character. So it's the same thing with music. And,
1: and, and it's a, a nice uh, gesture to show respect to a man who deserved that kind of respect, you know.
0: Well, yeah. the Vince McMahon's a very vindictive dude, and I think he, he he would never admit this, but I'm sure he looked at it as, let's get him over here and let's job him out. When, yeah. In the wrestling world, job him out is, means let's make him lose and make him look bad.
1: He spent so. very hard on multiple of my f- uh, friends, Patrice O'Neal and Dan Manigan, and they both had uh, they got fired from him. Uh, and, um, but I have mixed feeling because the guy is a genius. You know what he did with the whole... Federation and, Well, he's cutthroat. I mean, he's yeah.
0: like he bought up territories. I mean, it would. It, what he did was basically put in the comedy, because uh, we have a lot of comedy fans who listen. He bought up every comedy club in the world. And, you know, you either worked for him or you worked for a substandard company.
1: I mean, it, it, it is interesting that his father was against, like, uh, bringing Hollywood and show business element to it. But Vince McMahon, you know, he's the guy who... Uh, I think he had something to do with uh, Muhammad Ali and Antonio Inoki in the yeah. mid-70s. That a huge match. Uh, he also had, you know, that scene from uh, Hulk. Uh, Rocky Three, Rocky Three, And just the fact that he made this thing so much bigger than what it was. And, you know, even people who say it's fake, which is a really dumb way to look at it, um, man, wrestling—you learn about showmanship. You know, look at The Rock. You know, he's probably was one of the best. The guy using Mike and oh, yeah. exciting. The, you know, there's so much interesting element. I mean, we're both stand-up comedians, but we're also part of a show, entertainment business. You know, and you could learn so much from WWE. And uh what's what's theater? The yeah, you know, it's uh... athleticism and showmanship. It's incredible combination and. Uh, to me if you go see a ballerina dance that's not any more different it's physically amazing what they do absolutely amazing and for them to trust from you know jumping on top of each other I mean people got killed uh, I, I, I apologize uh to fans of uh Mexican league but remember that that Mexican gentleman just got killed oh, six yeah. Months? yeah so Oops. don't say it's a, that's a it can get more real than getting killed in these things you know so
0: or it could be an angle and the guy will come back you know yeah <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, yes, the uh, the outcomes are scripted and, yeah. and whatnot, but the stunts these guys do are... It's unbelievable. Uh, I watched a match uh, the other day with this guy by the name of AJ Styles, and he last couple years has been in tna which is like the you know in comedy there's a rooms b rooms c rooms tna is like the c room of wrestling uh and but it sucks because they had some really good wrestlers who were just stuck there for whatever reason and he he went over to japan i think it's called uh, it's either called because the wrestling fans get so pissed when Mm. you uh get the name of an organization wrong. It's either all Japan or new Japan pro wrestling. And it was one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Uh, it's on Axis. I think they televised their thing on access yeah. TV. And it was like, wow, this guy's amazing. Um, but now he's a little older and, but the stunts he was doing with this other Japanese wrestler w- was just like unbelievable fake or not, man fake from, you know, the stunts they do are real and they yeah. get hurt. And you know, you want to, you think pro wrestling's, you know, easy to do? Well, you look at probably a 100 wrestlers who've died, uh, you know, before 50. And most of the names you would know um, because they had to take pain pills and, and other things to sure. get them through. I mean,
1: it's... So. I, I have a lot of respect for them because, you know... We appreciate all the ones that made it big and famous, but there's a lot of guys. It's similar to stand up comedy, minus, minus the physical part of it. But you do all many, so many shitty matches. We do so many shitty shows, years of uh, suffering, right? Then then, then we are hoping that maybe some of us will make it to the big league, you know? So I, ha- I have a lot of respect for those guys. And for me, um, when I look at wrestling, it brings back that childlike Wonderman, you know. Like recently I remember a couple of years back when Rick Flair was speaking for 49ers. And and these guys are ready to play uh playoffs. And I think that um, I think at the year they went to Super Bowl, but you sure seen these guys, the 49ers. I am mean, I'm a Seahawks fan, you know, I'm not a big fan of them, but um they went crazy when Rick Flair spoke in front of them. I mean it's he Flair. brought the house down, man. He they got these guys all pumped up, and uh, I, I love seeing shit like that. You know, I mean, he's, I'm 46. I love, i still love the excitement. That,
0: oh yeah, and that's it's kind of missing today, which is why they have to keep bringing back guys like Ric Flair and The Undertaker, sure, and Shawn Michaels, and you know, even Sting. I mean, Sting's 56. Yeah, uh, you know, they. I think the newer guys. It's weird. You think the newer guys. Would be better actors just because you know the the accessibility to acting coaches and, and teachers and and but I find guys like Piper and uh, other wrestlers of his era are, are much better actors. You
1: you know really- well, you know what's the similarity about them with the uh, old wrestler versus uh, new guys. Uh, it's like old school porn stars and new guys. A lot of new guys, maybe they're better looking and maybe they're taking pills or something. But I love the old school porn guys. All natural, all heart, And none of these pills that they're taking. Oh, God knows what other crazy shit they're doing to the body. They got hard just looking at this beautiful naked women, you know. So the old school wrestling guys, very similar in my opinion. Old school porn stars. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd rather see Harry Reims
0: or... Jamie Gillis, or you know, obviously Ron, Ron Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah, the the and,
1: triple Jew threats, right? Yeah, there. and
0: uh, you know, Herschel Savage, and
1: <laughs> yeah, yes,
0: you know, I don't know any of the girls, but I can. I just became obsessed with guys who got famous doing porn. I mean, what a gig! You, your talent is you have a
1: huge dick, uh, and and these know, guys, you know, just like wrestlers live event, they're you know they're being filmed. Long, I mean, they're getting filmed from a bunch of people stand around you know talk about pressure that these guys I couldn't uh, do it yeah
0: and I got a big dick so I mean <laughs> I'm not like Lexington Steel but I'm not Smalley Polly either so, you know, yeah, I think everything, oh, I I sound old when I say this, because my parents used to tell me, like, you know, the music you listen to, Kiss, and, you know, in the 80s, the, the metal, obviously, you yeah. know, we had Buddy Holly, we had, uh,
1: you know, Richie Valens, and... and but the, the same shit were said to them from their parents talking to them, too, you know, it's... I think that that's generational, and I think it's normal.
0: Yeah, but yeah. it's just like I see the younger comics today, and you know I, I got nothing against Justin Bieber; he's a talented dude. Yeah. And, and and you know Kanye West and like all that. It's like, wow, man, you guys really missed out on the '80s. So you know,
1: I, I got. I, I'm not really familiar with Justin Bieber, but I have to say, what little I know of Kanye West, I do think the guy's genius. what little little i know about him i'm really interested in him i don't know if i want personally want to meet the guy but i do think he's extremely interesting guy to me
0: i'd rather meet caitlin jenner he's a good dude (laughs) (laughs) oh we're gonna go there today why
1: not i mean it's
0: topical man i'm gonna hashtag his name so we can get some numbers i mean listen i've fucked worse
1: I, I have to say working porn for 15 years, I'm not part of it anymore, but I've worked in it for 15 years and I have a lot of respect for transgender group because you know how, how people are always hiding themselves from public? Oh yeah. And <laughs> always afraid that people really get to know who they are and finding out who you really are. And for this guy, to come out and say I'm a woman, and I believe I believe I'm not, I've, I've met enough college professors and work in sex business. I do believe this notion that you could be a different gender inside, and it's it's. Um, I think he's very brave for doing what he's really doing, and uh, congratulating him because, you know, he's twenty years older than me, about twenty, a little over twenty years older than us. For him to say, look, I have a courage right now to be who who really I, I am, you know, and
0: I mean, I saw the Vanity Fair cover. Yeah. You know, it's like, here's my thing. God bless him. I mean. Yeah. I mean, the guys who are really pissed off are the ones he beat in the 76 Olympics. Because now now they lost to a girl. But if you're going to get a sex change.
1: Do you want to tell people? Because I think a lot of your listeners don't know how big he was. I mean, at the time, he won the most gold medal for Summer Olympics.
0: I mean, he was and is, or she is. I mean, whatever you want to like.
1: Yeah, she, yeah.
0: Whatever, I guess she, she was one of the greatest male athletes ever. Uh, Until, uh, what's his name? Well, Mark Spitz, uh, yeah. he won, I think he has the record, or maybe he shares it with Michael Phelps.
1: Malcolm, I think Michael Phelps beat, uh, he broke the record like last I summer. think
0: he has eight gold medals. Mark Spitz had seven. Yeah. Um, but I will, going back to older guys in porn and yeah. and. I would say that what Bruce Jenner and Spitz did is, is a better accomplishment because, and, and Michael Phelps is an amazing athlete. Absolutely. But, but the advances in, in uh, weight machines and and training is, I mean, I, I'd be scared to see Bruce Jenner and Mark Spitz get to be in their prime in this era. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bruce Jenner was like, no matter what she is now, uh Will go down as possibly the greatest Olympic athlete, uh, top five. So, you know, I just if you're, but if you're gonna get the sex change, I mean, I don't know, he's got no tits. I mean, I'd get some big bazoombas, man, just double D's. <laughs> I mean, she looked a little rough in makeup. I mean, I would not want to wake up next to her. I mean, she looks rough in makeup and you know porn. You've seen girls, yeah. porn girls without their makeup, you know, walking in from their, you know, duplex off a hat or a eyes. I mean, but hey.
1: I, I I think the important thing is she made a decision that I want to be happy. What what time she has left, she made this very difficult decision because, I mean, I, you know, I've done, hun- I, I, I used to, you know, working for Evil Angel, they, they're number one, I think, in my opinion, still in the community, uh, for transgender movies, female porn movies, right? So I met a lot of them over the years. And of course, I'm prejudiced like most people. I thought it was weird. I was kind of creeped out. But when you meet them, they're very good people, but very much despised especially the uh, black ones I mean they're they're really I mean you, you think being transgender and white person is tough wait till you're black and transgender I mean I mean you, you got so much pressure I mean they're hated because they're black in some some case many cases but even black community it's not understood and it's just uh, they're very black people are very religious so uh, they're in a really really fucking tough spot so I'm, I'm glad President Obama was the first president to use the word transgender at a uh, union? Well, it was what is a union speech? Yeah. yeah, state of the union. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, should... this is a really weird conversation, isn't it?
0: No, but that's like you know that's what I love about this show.
1: Is like I didn't I, even know we we're going to go talk about this. So. I don't
0: plan any questions,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: because uh, I, you know, you want to get like so tell us what uh, doing this is like you know listen to someone else's podcast sure
1: you know because I I travel a lot and I I think all these things have a uh, uh, they're related and I think stand-up comics comedians don't get enough credit Uh, but I, I think we're very perceptive uh, at least the ones I like. But the reason why we should, we should show them sympathy to uh, Bruce Jenner or Caitlyn, whatever uh, is the new name. Um, because, you know, I travel a lot overseas. You know, uh, there's always a concern of anti-Semitism, right? Sure. But really, anti-Semitism is really not about Jews. It's really by hate because you, you think just hating Jews and once you get rid of every one of them the hate's gonna end. No, they're just gonna look for some other thing to hate. So when you hate Jews or blacks or transgender people, I mean people should be a little bit more careful. Cause that stuff, once you started, it's very tough to stop. Oh, so I agree. so so these people who pretend to be perfect like the the Nazis and stuff like that, we as a comedian I think we have obligation to encourage imperfection. You know, it's 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 the imperfection that make people lovable. You know, so uh, we're here to talk about this kind of shit. I don't know. Does that make sense? I don't. Yeah, know. yeah. I, don't
0: know. And I mean, listen, Hitler uh, was the first bringer show promoter. I mean, <laughs> six million people—that's a hot crowd.
1: Holy shit! He he would fill arena like Russell Peters.
0: Yeah, yeah. He'd, oh <laughs> shit! He'd make Russell look like an open micer with the crowds he draws.
1: And you know what's weird? Uh, um, you know where he made some of the money? This is kinda of odd trivia. There's many, many stamps with Hitler's picture during World War II. Well, guess who took a lot of the cash because they use his image? It was Imagine all the t shirts that he probably sold during oh, this yeah. concert. Oh,
0: trust me, if Gene Simmons wished he was around during the Holocaust, he'd have kissed coffins just on a conveyor belt, <laughs> you know, give you a discount to your family, half off, you know. But I mean, you know, I, I think most podcasts are, you know, kind of boring and, yeah. you know, they're just the standard questions. Tell us what it's like in comedy, tell us what it was like editing porn. Uh, you know, I don't know what we're going to be talking about in five
1: minutes. So, I've, think, done, I've, I've, I've talked so much about porn stuff, you know, and uh, but I think you ask me good questions. Like, I don't I don't remember last time doing podcasts talking about porn, they mentioned male talents. So I think you're probably one of the first ones. It's always like girls, it's some same dumb questions,
0: you know, yeah, you know, who has the biggest, pussy? yeah. And like, I mean, I don't watch porn, which is weird because it looks like I produce it, but uh, you know, I've never. I've never liked porn. Like, I, I don't, especially now with Blu ray, high def three. I mean, this TV screen, you watch a hockey game, you think they're playing in your TV. Like, it's, yeah. I don't want to see some girl's vagina after, you know, Castro and Lexington Steele, D. Peter.
1: When you see HIV virus literally walking across yeah. from his penis into their vagina. I mean, that's too much oh, is this, what is this clarity. Vince Voyeur film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, no, well, no, you, you know you, I, I, I. I like talking with you because do you, you know Bill Simmons? Uh, oh, the uh, ESPN guy. Yeah, the sports guy. I think the guy you know he recently got fired, but to me he's the probably the number one most important sports uh, reporter. Not reporter, somebody who talks about right. the importance of sports. Um, but the, the key of his success is how, how does one, how does someone who knows a lot about Boston sports scene, and talk to the national media? You know, because not everyone's going to be Boston sports fan. He did it through making reference to pop culture. Yeah, right. And you really, I mean, you really are absolutely like top two or three guys in the business making pop culture reference because sometimes you make an obscure reference it makes me laugh you kind of remind me the guy who does uh, Mystery Science right was it 2000 or 3000 I can't remember Mystery
0: Science Science uh, Science Theater 3000 3000
1: Because somebody asked that guy, like, aren't you afraid sometime because you make this all this uh, obscure reference and maybe they won't get it? He said, I don't care. I only do these shows for people who gets me. And Errol, you really are one of the best in business. Because those, well, those references, man, whether it's music, porn, wrestling, hockey, politics, you're really good at those references, man. It makes well, me laugh.
0: I mean, I thank you, first of all. That
1: and, and you make effort doing that, you know?
0: Well, it just, I talk about what I know because I, I think that, you know, I don't know how long stand-up has been around. I don't know who the first comic was. but you Mark know, Twins. Right. Well, I mean, Hitler, uh, he had a hot 10 minutes. <laughs> and then, it was very hot. Yeah, real hot for the crowd. <laughs> uh, but, you know, let's just say stand-up's been around for 50 years, 60 yeah. years. Everything's been talked about, you know, uh, so... You know, I, you know, how many Bruce Jenner jokes, Caitlin Jenner jokes, are you going to hear
1: in the next year? Uh, that's the the fear that comedians have for being a hack, which is anti being original,
0: yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's also, I don't think it's hack if you really like, if you follow sports and you know who Bruce Jenner was as a man, uh, you know, I I I like anyone named Bruce, by the way. I bet (laughs) Bruce Margold used to play, uh touch football with him on Saturdays. He's a porn... William Margold. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. not Bruce Margold. Uh, but I, I So
1: funny. He, he lives not too far from here.
0: Oh, he was a great dude. Uh, we, we had a wild bunch on Saturdays in Beverly Hills that would play touch football and the games got pretty aggressive but uh, William Margold would play and he's a legend in the porn business. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And the guy who most people don't know of because he's kind of uh, an 80s criminal but Joe Hunt who was the founder of the infamous Billionaires Boys Club. And they killed the... uh, Ron Levin, I think, was his name. There was a businessman uh, who had shady dealings with these guys. He ended up disappearing. Some people still today think he's alive. Yeah. Yeah. and Joe Hunt would come and play with us, and even back then, I'm like, "Oh, that's the guy from the Billionaire Boys Club." Oh, I don't know anything about that. What well, was investor? You would yeah. love it because it's a great. Well, it's a you know, if the guy did is dead, it's uh, they did a TV movie about it. It's just a bunch of young, you know, hedge. Basically, what is now hedge fund investors who you know in the money, the lifestyle, and uh, this guy. hedge fund,
1: as I like to call it, Jew magic. Yeah, not Hedgehog Ron Jeremy, but.
0: <laughs> So uh, he used to play, and some of these B movie actors, and so it was a wild, uh, you know. That's what I love about growing up in this area. Yeah, is that just. You know, just something as mundane as touch football on a Saturday ends up you're playing with a porn star, you know, a guy who, you know, ended up, you know, allegedly killing someone, you know, and like you're playing football with So
1: You're right. Did, Did you watch Breaking Bad?
0: You know, it's weird. I've never watched one episode. Oh wow! I, I wish I wish um, I was a Sons of Anarchy
1: guy. Um, I need to I need to fi- finish watching that series because I freaked out when um, God, what's her name? Uh, Peggy. Uh, um, Peg Bundy. Yeah. Um, what What is her name on uh, g- uh so, Emma Teller? Man, when I saw her getting raped, like fuck! I can't watch. I couldn't. I couldn't watch when she was getting raped. Was it? It was season one or See, two? No,
0: it was um, season two. And it was Henry Rollins. Was yeah, there.
1: he goes like, excuse me, man. I'll don't be g- say the
0: line, he said. Uh, he said a word that, let's just say, rhymes with bigger. Okay. Um, he sa- said, tell your old man to stop selling guns to the Mayans and the... Yeah. But we'll and, do this and, again.
1: And she said, he said, excuse me, man, I'll be quick. And he started raping. I'm like, oh, I couldn't... I, couldn't, I don't know. It really creeped me out when I saw that. But I'll probably watch the series because too many people say how great it is.
0: But w- what made that scene even better, and it, it, you mm-hmm. can say this for the whole show, is Kurt Sutter and whoever was in charge of putting the music to certain scenes. Yeah. They played um a it was a Bob Dylan cover, uh North North uh something County Fair. Yeah. And uh it was just the music fit that scene. It was a very haunting cover of a Bob Dylan song. And like even the end scene in season seven, when, uh, you know, the ending, I won't tell you what happens, but, uh, the song just fit the finale.
1: Yeah. I'll watch it. Cause I I, I, I love the shield. Sutter did that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I know some of the gangs that, uh, may reference to, uh, in, um, Santa Anarchy. I remember they mentioned that in the, the show. The reason I, I mentioned Breaking Bad because my friend Joey Kirchman, he was telling me one of his uh, literally baseball coach was the main character from Breaking Bad. It's so strange. If you live in Iowa, or Kansas, or whatnot, that sounds like a strange thing, but it does sounds pretty common if you live here long enough. Like somebody will know someone in porn or someone in a major Hollywood movie or TV show. You know, it's just like. This is a very creative place, and I know people in East Coast like New York City, and I have friends over there. Always bash in L.A., but to me, uh, I love New York City, uh, East Coast. They're amazing, but they're looking at the old world, the Europe, right? To me, Los Angeles, it really is the city of the future. We look in Asia and Latin America, and that's just a reality. And even people who do stand up in the New York City, they know eventually, if they want to make a big, they have to come to L.A. Yeah, this is I mean- it. This is a mecca of entertainment. It's
0: Muslims. I, uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, you want the Mecca, you better start praying towards Wilshire and Doheny or <laughs> William Morris's. <as>, uh,
1: <laughs> I mean Tov.
0: <laughs> yeah, L'heim. Uh New York's probably, it definitely is a better stand-up town from the yeah. standpoint of.
1: But this uh, is the entertainment capital. Yeah, you have to. You like, have to be. And this is the what I call the golden triangle entertainment. It's LA, Vegas, and San Diego. And why San Diego every summer they have San Diego Comic-Con and everything related to nerd, TV, movies, all that shit is just covered every summer there. It is a Super Bowl of entertainment. So to me, this whole three area is so important for the entertainment business. So they could bash all they want. They could call us fake. I don't think fake is the right word. It's more nuanced, but it's such an interesting creative place.
0: Oh, I mean, New York, I mean, we did, uh, you know, that show I do... I, Tuesday nights at the comedy store roast battle. Yeah. We did a show in New York and, you know, it's like, wow, this is an amazing city. But.
1: Oh, I love New York City. I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. But some people in East Coast, especially the one never been here, have to say stuff. But to me, man, I, I love Los Angeles. It is my favorite city in the whole world. And I've been over 44 countries, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, I, I'll continue to visit because I, I think every time I come back, I appreciate more about L.A. But, you know, here I'm here I am, this dumb kid. Growing up in, in Washington State and California, when I go to Amsterdam, do shows and watch a movie there, I'll see every other movie I see. I'll know someone that I know. Yeah. Ken John, Zach you uh, and all these people that like Nick Schwartz and all the people that I kind of met through throughout the years living here. And, you know, all these people, too. It's it's just amazing. Like, holy shit, I, I know these people.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you watch the comedy Central Rose. You're like, oh, I just did a show with Jeff Ross. And, you know, uh, I know Chris D'Elia and, and, you know, Sarah Silverman, you know. uh." Cool
1: people. They're just cool people.
0: That's the great thing is that most of these people... You know, I mean, you'd think someone who's as successful as, say, D'Elia would kind of be a dick. And he's like the nicest dude. Uh.
1: I, I remember you used to doing that uh, dirty show, uh, Fell baron And like, I remember he was doing it and he was a very nice guy. Everyone on the show was sort really cool. And it's really nice to see him work hard. I know some people probably give him hard time because... I guess his dad's kind of connected in who show cares? business. But, he still has got to do the work. Yeah, and he did the work, and uh, I have never heard anything bad about him, and it's really nice. Like, every time I see him, he wasn't one of those guys, like, once they became famous, like, they kind of cut you off. He, he still said hello. Oh, and yeah. Yeah.
0: Has his friends open for him on yeah. the road. And, like, Phil Verone, for those of you wondering, that's probably the only guy I don't like in, 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 in the entertainment business. Uh,
1: well, what happened?
0: Well, I'm the guy uh, who... I originally met him through you and, you know, I got him his gig at the Improv. You know, uh, I introduced took him down there, introduced him to Rita, and Rita's like, the, for, I don't want to get too inside for people listening who's Rita, but she's the boss at the Hollywood Improv. Yeah, wonderful and, person. Uh, yeah, she, you know, basically said, Who's this Phil Verone guy? Is he funny? What, what, and I, I'd never seen
1: him before do stand up. He was, th- and he started having these shows, monthly shows, right? Yeah,
0: rock and roll comedy or or something. Yeah. But I got him the gig. Yeah, and his thank you was putting me on the fifth show, <laughs> like on Christmas weekend. There's no. one there yeah and it's like dude uh i should have been on the first show i should have been the first phone call you made earl thanks for getting me this gig you're on the first show so you know
1: i haven't seen Phil for a long time do i'm not excusing what he did to you because he he shouldn't have done that but i i I get kind of confused sometimes like are, are these guys and some of these women are they dick's and and twat or they don't have self-awareness. And I can't tell because maybe in back of his head, he wasn't doing that deliberately because, you know, there's a lot of like people, narcissists in this show business, like they can't really think anything else aside themselves. You know, do you think he was doing that deliberately? You think? I mean, I don't know him, but you know, uh, I I feel bad because me introducing you to you and he should have done the right thing. He didn't do it. I I didn't know until today. you
0: know Oh no, it's all, I mean, you know, uh, I just, uh, I'm, I was just raised in and out of comedy, like, hey, if someone hooks you up, you hook them up. Yes. You know, uh, if... Uh, that's only fair. Well, I mean, it's just a way to do things. Yeah. You know, that's just my mom, you know, saying basically to me at a young age, uh, give back more than you get. Sure. So, and it's not about one spot that, you know, probably wouldn't have done much for my career, but it's just like, dude, I got you into at the time and maybe still outside the comedy store the toughest club in the country to get into you're not a comic you were the drummer in skid row when they were playing state fairs yeah uh you were the drummer in saigon kick and they had like that one big hit love is on the way but it's like you, you know the great thing about comedy is is like comedy doesn't care what you do in the music world if you're an actor you got to prove yourself and to be funny. And
1: I mean, if you're famous, they might give you like one or two minutes of uh, uh, kindness, but afterward you still have to be funny. And if you're not delivering you they're going to let you have it, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. But you know, it's not like I got them a spot at some shitty open mic. No. Uh, you know? So yeah, that's why I never, uh, Hollywood Melrose improv is the real deal. I, I mean, mean, there's careers remain and destroyed. And you don't get any realer. I yeah. mean, so, uh, but you know, that's you know, I never really called him out on it. I'm like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Cause I, I saw him, you know, he gets his first show. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I'm not on it. You know, I would think just common sense. Yeah. Then he had a second show and then a third show and then a fourth show. And then, like, oh, fuck, man. That's. And then my girlfriend at the time, Gail, uh, she had a show at this. It's kind of a hot show for a while on Thursdays at a, a bar on Melrose. And yeah. he was on the show and he's like, comes up to me because he wanted to or he wasn't on the show but he was trying to get on it that night yeah and he knew me and gail were hanging and so he's kind of up my ass a little bit to get on the show he's like yeah man i gotta get you on my show at the improv i'm like "Uh, what i mean uh so you know but
1: you know that's probably the only guy i really ever had a problem with in this business yeah it's it's that nuanced thing that people just forget you know
0: well, it's uh, like if I was a struggling musician, and, and Phil's like, "Hey, I'm going to recommend you to Skid Row and be their drummer," you know, and I end up getting the gig. Uh, you know, I'm going to get him something that week. Like, "Yeah, hey, let me make this call for you or whatever." But
1: you, know. you have to show some appreciation, and you don't take people for granted, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of successful people I met, they kind of forget. You know, the guy who who don't forget is our good friend Russell Peters.
0: Oh, I mean, I.
1: He talk, never forget.
0: He he's like the,
1: he you know, he always he's, he's 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 always keep his promise. You know.
0: I brought his name up the other night uh, at the comedy store. There, uh, you know. Th- now, everyone's trying to go to the comedy store because it's a new regime, and, yeah. and and comics who haven't been there in five, ten years literally are coming. Well, Burt Kreischer just went there for the
1: first time in ten years. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, you got comics like him, and he's great. He should be in there. Uh, you know, uh, comics like Russell are, are performing there a little more than he used to. Bill Burr's there m- much more than
1: he used to be. Uh, it's almost like some shitty sports franchise that eventually somebody died or somebody got fired, they're able to finally turn it around because I never understood it's a good look the tradition and history of that place i mean leno letterman you name it all the big names went through that place but you know there was a period like five six years ago it, it was it was like negative vibe you know and, and nothing to do with comedians but no, I, didn't, t- I didn't quite understand what was the deal because I, I i don't really know that club well but last few times i went you feel this really positive energy that you, i haven't felt in long long fucking time you
0: know well it was a talent coordinator yeah. he uh and you know, uh, I I didn't like the guy. Full
1: yeah. disclosure, because he was always a dick to me. I I haven't heard anyone say good things about him except Aiko Tanaka say he he was really nice to her.
0: But in Aiko, and not uh, I won't say in Aiko's defense, because I love Aiko Tanaka. She's awesome, very funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was one of his favorites, and that's cool. I don't yeah. hate on people. But, you know, in my case, he would, like, encourage me to come, even though he had no intention of uh, passing me. I mean, zero. Um, And I know that he recently told someone he was trying to figure out a way to get me in. Uh, And I know that was a lie because when he got fired, he gave the new talent coordinator a list of three or four names. These are who I want passed next. Yeah and I wasn't all black this. people right uh, well trust me if you knew his <laughs> true thoughts on that part of society yeah. I know but
1: uh, I mean he was nice enough to give me a audition years ago one time and Mitzi sure was there but she was sleeping the whole time so like I did my set I did all right and I got phone call like a day or two and said I didn't pass or something like that which is fine but I thought it was kind of funny that She's supposed to make a decision she was sleeping, you know, so well, she
0: was you know uh, she's pretty sick, and you know yeah. uh, I think uh that dude who was uh, you know Tommy he took advantage of that, you know, and yeah uh, you know he uh, he seemed to love shitting on successful
1: people like was he was he trying to do comedy
0: no, no, he was a, a, like a kind of a unsuccessful musician, I and see, I liked his music to be honest with you, but I could never tell him that. Because, you know, he had so many people up his ass. Yeah. You know, I could never say, hey, man, because, you know, he's a little older than I and than you. Not much. I think he's around 50, a little over 50 maybe. Uh, but the impression I got from
1: a, a vast majority of people was not good at all.
0: Well, like he, I told his, and you know, uh, I'm for the most part over my, uh, I wouldn't say bitterness about him, but I, I definitely say my disappointment in how he treated me. Uh, like he told Rob Schneider once, and Rob's one of the biggest names in stand-up. He just is. Uh, he's one of the few people who on marquee name alone sells out a room.
1: Sure. A great friend Adam Sandler. Yeah. He, he, he does a great job on all his movies. But I mean,
0: very few people other than Russell, yeah. Delia, uh, Dane still uh, can sell out a room just by their name on the marquee. Sure. And uh, he told Rob once, yeah, come on Sundays and Mondays, which is like the open mic night
1: well I remember one time when Russell Peters went to comedy for the one of the first time first prize, the first time in a long time or a second time in a long time uh, and the guy at the back entrance to the bar- back parking lot he said like you can't just walk in here and like I was like even back then he was like top 10 in the world you know and like I was like, what? I mean, he so this, this guy saw me enough time. So they just let me walk in, but they said no to Russell Peters. Like, wow.
0: Oh no. I mean, I think he told Bert Kreischer, he worked the parking lot first. Yeah. Um, you know, there's many other, I, I know one year, uh, forget who was hosting the MTV awards, uh, Sandberg, I think. Yeah, I yeah. might be wrong. He he said, hey, he went up to Tommy, real nice. Said, hey, man, uh, can I run my set for the music awards? I'm in town. And yeah. Tommy's like, no. Um, but then he would pass people who gave him weed yeah. and give them good spots. Like, it, it wasn't like... You know, I could understand someone gives you weed or whatever. You you put them on toward the end of the night. You know, he'd put them in the middle of the main room show. So, and there's other examples. He people who gave him studio time would get sure. passed. And,
1: I never understood that because you know, I I set up and started up in Seattle and. Um, there's someone, even Craig Gass would tell you, we love this guy, Carl Wolverhoven. He was the guy, night manager for Comedy Underground. But he understands you want to give everybody a fair chance to an open mic, but you still have to give the audience good shows. So you want to put, like, new guy, put a veteran guy in between. So you want to give people enough incentive and want to stay for the whole show, right? So these, these kind of things are really important to help the comedians, but also help the audience. Uh, that's one of the reasons it kind of kept me away from Comedy Store because you, I've, I've heard stuff like over the years, you know, like um, they're working free for you quite often. Most of them, there should be some sort of respect, you know, and, and the clubs that do that, like Comedy Magic Club and places like that. And I think my impression was Ice House do that, too, and Comedy Cellar. Um, you get best performance out of those people when you do that, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: it's about, I mean, I would say the last couple of years of Tommy's regime, the repeat business was not very good. Yeah. You know, you look at a club like Hermosa, um, they've never had to do a bringer show ever in their 30 year history because they get more repeat business than probably every club in the country
1: Combined, because people know that yeah, you're going to see Russell Peters there. You're going to see. Mike Lacey, the owner of the club. It's 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 like that. They're they're the owner of your favorite team, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, the Rooney family. You put quality product. You do the best stuff, best lineup, and you give also good food and drink and service. And that they're the only one of the few club in the country where you show up. You're not a, you're not even on that show that night. They want to feed you and take care of you. You know, it's that kind of like commitment to excellence.
0: Yeah, that, that makes comics want to fall over to each other to get in there.
1: Yeah. And and, the, and they're the only club in the country that really do well in summertime because they're right on the Hermosa Beach summertime, you know, because summer is not necessarily the best time of comedy because a lot of people want to stay out and do outdoor activities. But there's a few exception, and Leno's performing there every Sunday too. So it's a great club in... Um, you know, you and I, we deal with this kind of bullshit things. Maybe not necessarily in LA, but there's certain small town that they have two clubs. And if you work one club, other one will not book you. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's a stupid thing to do, first of all. Um, if you run the club like top-notch organization, people will come no matter how many other clubs are in town. But they don't want to do that. They want to do, like you were saying, Gene Simmons way, which is... Just put something, uh, just sell as many shows and yeah, I mean, it doesn't work. It doesn't need to be that way. You can make more money by doing a, a good job.
0: But Door. I mean, you know, like getting back to the store for a second, just the, the whole Tommy thing is mm-hmm. like, it hurt. The, he really hurt the club's business the last couple of years. Cause you know what happens when he mistreated Schneider? Mm-hmm. Schneider does a show now, uh, once a week or whenever he's in town at the laugh factory and it's standing room only that show could have been at the comedy store.
1: I heard there was a couple of years ago when Louie showed up, he said, I'll do one show, everything cash, blah, 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 something. Like, I don't know, but, um, I don't know if it's true, but I heard something happened where they did something weird with the money or mistreated him or something. So he went elsewhere. So I, I don't know if these are true, but this is what I hear from people.
0: Well, what I heard was he basically told Louie, uh, he's a writer.
1: So, you know, it's I don't I know mean, the this guy is.
0: knew nothing about talent, Yeah, but, you know, my opinion on him to this day, people discount it because they're like, well, you're just mad he didn't pass you uh, or bitter or whatever. And I'm certainly disappointed given a lot of people who he did pass. It's like, fuck, man, I just did a room with this person. They couldn't either follow me and I'm not that hard to follow, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, so I think it's kind of hard. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean,
1: if I you're a great comic, uh, Earl.
0: Well, you're one of my favorites as well, and I don't. I just don't say that. You, Brody Stevens, Don Barris, under five or six comics that I will stop what I'm doing to watch. And that's the highest
1: compliment. Yeah, I think you're saying it because it's not just you, but you still miss uh, injustice against other people who deserve to be treated better.
0: Well, I mean, the girl that I was passed with, Candace Thompson, she should have been passed years ago, regardless of her being a girl. Yeah. Uh, she, I mean, me and Candace never would have gotten a showcase under Tommy. Yeah. I mean, uh, and the, the recent person who was passed at the store, Eric Myers, he's he never would have been passed. By Tommy. So you're happy for people like that. And, you know, like my friend. Well,
1: they never passed Louie He was talking about that Letterman show.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, was, I mean, it
1: was the only club in the country that he never passed. So, you know.
0: I mean, well, you know, and then you. you, I'm happy for my friends like Jason Glearn, who's one of the top comics. He's another comic who I will stop what I'm doing. If I'm talking to a girl and I see Jason on stage, I will leave the girl and and watch Jason. Uh, Hilarious. He did it Tonight Show, too. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Richards, uh, you know, was, was, you know, not getting spots under Tommy. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm friends with Adam, uh, the new talent coordinator, and... You know, he, I was, you know, I think part of the reason I got passed was he saw me four years ago at the Tempe Improv with Schneider and Jeff. And, you know, ever since then, he's like, okay, this guy, you know, you know, opening up a Russell mm-hmm. and a Tell. Yeah. It, it, we have incredibly tough jobs when you walk into a theater or a sold out Tempe
1: Improv. Yeah, it didn't come to see us.
0: I mean, literally, you're in a room. With five to 600, upwards to theaters, 2,000 people, yeah. not one person is there to see you. me. Right. And so if you win that crowd over, you're good. And, you know, hopefully... Our
1: job is to make them even look better, you know, warm them up, you know.
0: But um, I, I know of a lot of, uh, which is why I always respected Rob and Russell, um, you know, I know a lot of big comics would
1: take shitty comics out to make them look even better, yeah, and you you're know. absolutely right because the test. Uh, I have so much respect for Russell, but I remember one year he took Joe Coy to open for him, and that guy's a motherfucker to follow. Absolutely, motherfucker to follow. You know, he he get the place go around crazy. And he was one of the few comics on Tonight Show. Got Stan O when he did his five to six minute set in Tonight Show. So for Russell to bring someone like that. Because he knows that will make him even better, you know? It's like playing tennis. Like, the better player you play, you get better, right? So um, it just shows how much of a professional and solid guy he is. He's not afraid to follow anyone.
0: Oh, no, and because he's great. And and the the whole crowd's there to see him. And, uh, you know, it's like when I – that's why I respected Schneider. I still do because, like, you know, for about two or three years, it was, you know, me hosting. And I would do – you know, uh, better than most hosts, I think. You know, going up to a cold room that's knows they got to see another comic after you too before it, the guy who they paid fifty yeah. bucks a ticket for is you know in an hour basically. And, and oh, you were excellent. I remember seeing Breya one time. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. then Jeff would kill mm-hmm. most nights. Jeff Richards, when he's on top of it, man, there are a few better because uh, he's one that not only does great comedy, but his impressions are his un- impressions are killer. It's like him and maybe Melissa and your. you close your eyes. Is he the one who does the drunk girl or yeah. something? Yeah. He did drunk girl on S N L and uh you you know when he does Louis Anderson or Dave he does a great Dave Letterman you close your eyes you think Dave Letterman's in the room. He's
1: he's he's a really unusual one because he did SNL and and Matt TV too right. Only I think there's one other person uh, that's like but, being Playboy and Penthouse. Yeah,
0: but for a long time he was the only person yeah. to be on both the shows and uh, but that's why I respected Schneider. It's like you know because Rob would do an hour some t- more than an hour usually and it's like he you know, one of the few people I've never seen have a soft spot yeah. in a set. I mean, for an hour and fifteen minutes he was killing. Um, and you know, he could have cheated and just done his deuce bigelow impressions and oh I know Adam Sandler. He rarely talked about it. Or he did no impressions. Yeah, so, uh you know, that's when I first Rob's
1: well, an interesting guy. He's Filipino and Jewish, right? Yeah, it's
0: like <laughs> I think his joke is it's the perfect storm of small penises. <laughs> So, uh, he, you know, that's why I always respected him. And I know Russell would take you out and, yeah. and you know, like I saw you kill at the Wilter and opening up for him. And it's like, you know, a lot of comics would have taken a substandard comic out. So they can just, you know,
1: I, I have to look back, you know, I made some dumb decision in this business, but I'm still kind of shocked that he took me because I'm so dark and edgy. It's not so much like the language, but it's so edgy and dark that the fact that he he would took me on. I looking back like I'm I'm really surprised, you know. And um this is how great Russell is. Jason Reynolds, our friend, a very funny comedian. Great We're, comic, Canadian comic. Canadian comic. He did this show called uh, uh, Down and Dirty with Jim Norton, Dirty Show on HBO. It was so dirty that they took him out of the show. I mean, it's called Down and Dirty with, you know, Jim Norton, but it was so dark. And he might have done a couple of jokes that upset one of the producers or something. Some, it might have been political. Six months, a year later, Russell put Jason on, did the same act, and... Russell didn't even budge. He he believed in free speech and all that stuff. So it's very strange. Like, you think Jim's show would be more tolerant of that dark stuff, but uh, Russell really respect all forms of comedy, and he put, he would put somebody as dark and dirty as Jason on the show. You I know? mean,
0: Jason's comedy is darker than Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> Um, you know. but he just
1: did a, a dice's thing. Yeah, with, no, he's with great. Our good friend Eleanor, she yeah, Eleanor
0: And Corey and Chad, yeah, the, uh, the twins, they're they're great dudes. Why they were never on sun's Anarchy? I have no idea. Especially season two, uh, Eric Myers, who <laughs> yeah. the recent the newest paid regular that the store was on. So, uh, but you know, I you know, I think guys like you and me understood opening up for big comics like. I respected what the crowd was thinking. Every time I would go see KISS, I was there to see KISS. You could have had Led Zeppelin opening for them. I wouldn't have cared. I want to see KISS. I would go see Rat, which is my favorite band of all time. Uh, I I didn't care who was opening. You could have had Van Halen, you know, transformed to 1978. I want to see Rat. Oh, that would be tough. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, Rat's, uh, you know... There's still to this day, the singer from Rats, Stephen Pierce, he's the most downloaded episode I've ever done. Is that right? Yeah. Um, what What do you think? Why, why do you... Well, I think Rats, uh, you know, it, it's... They have a long history in the L.A. metal. I mean, they... I mean, I would say Quiet Riot started the movement. Yeah. You know, with Come On, Feel The Noise and Metal Health. Um, and then Motley Crue and Rat were the next two bands to... I mean they those three bands were like the, the forerunners of, of,
1: of the eighties LA scene. Um I went to Torrance from eighty five to eighty eight. Yeah. And uh, I remember um fantasizing bands like that, man. Just uh Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses. I mean, talk about unbelievable band, uh music's super great. But all this women that were uh, attached to those bands, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's almost, it's, it's obviously one of the most, uh, the biggest male fantasy to, to live like that and, and, and to be part of the show business like that too. So, um, you know, all the, I mean, those women were the women, how about the guys
0: who looked like women? <laughs> I mean, I remember once uh, I walked up to the drummer from Striper, Robert Sweet, and, uh, you know, they were known for their yellow and black bumblebee outfits. Yeah. They, they were Christian metal band, and they would throw Bibles out to the crowd. Sure. And I walked up to him, and you know comics, we're always trying to get a laugh somewhere. And I'm like, hey, Mr. Sweet, you know, I always wanted to fuck you till I found out you were a dude. And he kind of looked at me like, fuck off, kid. You know, but... You know, it was just such a great era, and you know, it's, it's an era like once again going back to porn actors and yeah. movies,
1: and I couldn't imagine what 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 would have been like to be a Motley Crew in the eighties.
0: Well, I mean, I was on the scene, like going to the shows, yeah. and you know, I, I lived right off the Sunset Strip, so like any parties, I would. Go to would normally be in the Hollywood Hills, so I had to drive through the Rainbow and yeah. Gazaris, which is now Jay Z's club. Yeah, you know, and it was I I I still to this day don't I think I do I don't think I do a good job of accurately describing it. It was literally like an from like Sunset and Doheny to say the Comedy Store. Yeah, it was like an ant farm of horny people. Yeah, I mean, such an era, and it wasn't just the metal explosion it was also the stand-up comedy boom. So like you could go to the store or the improv, which is not on sunset, but relatively close to Melrose, uh, and see dice, Sam Kennison. And then you could go to the Troubadour, which is on Santa Monica, see guns and roses, see rat, see Motley Crue or Gazaris, uh, and, and see Van Halen, uh, you know, when they first kind of got going and, uh, you know it was just you don't get that now it's like there was no boom of anything well i mean the coke was so big you know holy shit um oh yeah i mean and there's another dude who uh, i always try and bring this guy's name up when i talk about the music scene in la but and he's kind of porn related because uh and in the infamous uh, four-on-the-floor murders that involved John Holmes. Oh, Wonderland murder, yeah. The Wonderland murders, Eddie right, Nash.
1: Uh, right off the Lower Canyon, Eddie Nash, who is Lebanese businessman. I think he's still alive.
0: No, no, he's dead. Oh, is he dead?
1: When did he die? Uh,
0: a couple of years ago. I'm obsessed with him because of his history and not just L.A. clubs,
1: but the music scene. He had the... He was a creepy dude. Like he was shit and make girls eat his ass out because he had so much coke. Well,
0: that guy sounds like a real hoot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he had those fucking uh, robbers murdered. Really?
0: Yeah. Well, they uh, he owned the Starwood, which was. It's funny now. It's on Santa Monica uh, Crescent Heights. It's now a Russian deli, mm. but they still kept the outer shell. Of Russian the deli. Wood. Jesus. Um, Mob central, right there. But it's like we, I just every time I walk my dog by that building. Yeah. I think of, wow, Van Halen played here. Quiet Riot got their start there. Um, and, you know, Quiet Riot's kind of looked at it as a one, two hit wonder and flash in the pan because their, their rise was pretty quick. But, at, you know, people in the LA scene don't, uh, they shouldn't forget that, you know, Quiet Riot at one point was seen as Van Halen's main competition especially when Randy Rhodes was in them. Um Is that right? Yeah. You don't really cuz you see the quiet riot that got, you know, big in I think 83ish.
1: Well, they literally got kind of quiet. Yeah, they got, right? there was no
0: riot after like 85. Uh but that was the singer's fault who's since uh passed away, but uh Eddie Nash was like not only did he own the Starwood, but he owned the strip club where I think Jimmy Kimmel is filmed now, the Seven Seas. He owned gay clubs. Yeah. He owned the hottest... I'll never forget this club. It was on Beverly and La Cienega, and it's a gas station now, but at the Odyssey, which was like an all-ages club, and just wild scenes there, and, and he torched the
1: place when it stopped making money. And Well, know, he, he really is one of the sinister character in, in Los Angeles history.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't put two and two together, but like in Boogie Nights,
1: I was gonna say there's that scene where the Asian guys doing those firecracker thing, and they, they they they're hanging out with that guy Alfred Molina. Yeah, basically, he's playing Eddie Nash. Absolutely, there's no question about that. And
0: and then uh, in Wonderland with Al Kilmer, uh, Eric Bogosian, who kind of looked like Nash a little bit. he yeah. he did a killer uh, job and. You know, Nash always had the huge black bodyguard, if you remember the Boogie Nights. Sure.
1: And that murder case is so interesting because it was one of the first murder cases that they used video cam quarter to record and film uh, the the crime scene. And they're saying it was basically the beginning of the precursor to OJ Simpson cases, things like that. So it was historically interesting case. But um, uh, I think that um, um, Val Kilmer movie, if you got the DVD, there's a special feature where they showed a clip from that. Yeah. And think I was grainy because, I mean, it, it just blood splatters everywhere. I mean, these people got murdered bludgeoned to death with pipes and baseball bat. I think one person survived. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember when I used to run for cross-country um, for Torrance High we, our coach used to make us to do John Holmes Memorial Run which is the longest run for the week you know he would drive us all the way to fucking Redondo Beach or something or for and then we had to run back all the way to Torrance but even in the mid 80s the, the talk of John Holmes a lot you know the murder case he died out of AIDS and yeah, 80s in, in in L.A. was really, really interesting, well, and strange times, you know. There was a lot of really weird, strange, nice stalker. That was in the 80s, right? Yeah, Richard yeah, Ramirez. Yeah. What's
0: well, funny, you said John Holmes was like the O.J. precursor and the lead detective uh, on the John Holmes murder case was Tom Lang. Who ended up being the lead detective in the o j case uh and it, it the video you're referencing about the uh, crime uh mm-hmm. scene, it's on YouTube you can yeah. just uh look up Wonderland you know murder Tom Lang and uh you know it's just such a uh the eighties in l a were just wild but Eddie Nash was you never really hear his name.
1: And, you know, I... I'm not surprised you would know that name.
0: Well, I think that you, you, you know, I've always wanted to do either pitch a documentary or maybe even a movie just about him, but mm-hmm. I don't think you could because he was such a dirty
1: animal that it'd have to
0: be rated X. I mean...
1: I, I don't know when you put in this episode, I forgot... Uh, in about one hour. Um you should meet this guy uh, next Monday um, named Bill Lustig. He's a director. He made a movie called Maniac, Maniac Cop, and he is the nephew of, oh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Raging Bull, the boxer's name. Jake LaMotta. He is his nephew, and um, he is a fan of porn. And boy, does, he knows a lot about porn. Because when Bill Lustig started doing um, porn, he see, he, he was a porn guy before he did mainstream movie. Somehow he knew somebody connected in, in the mob and they're filming porn in New York City. He started kind of hanging out and started filming shit for them when he was like late teen. And that's how he got into movie business. And he made this Maniac, Maniac Cop 1 and 2 in New York City. But... Um, there is going to be an event next Monday. God, I wish I would remember. It's uh, I'll give the information later, but he he has a um, they what what do you call it? Redigitize of old movie and they made a clear colorization. Yeah, and and I think uh, Bill Lustig is having an event next Monday and talk about a guy with a lot of like L.A show business information, you know. He's great. And I apologize. It's a very important... It's a big movie. I just saw the thing uh, earlier this morning, but... um And the guy, people who made the movie will be there. Oh, uh is there a movie called Something Mean, Get Mean, or... I don't know. Uh, sorry. I think I don't have the title right, but yeah, they they're, uh, they fixed it. It will be coming up next Monday. Well, I mean, it's just...
0: I mean, the mid-'80s, you had so many colorful characters in L.A. You know, Bill Guzzari, who, you know, Guzzari is, was like the place for any band to be seen. Doug Weston's Troubadour. You know, if you didn't play Gazare's, you played the Troubadour. Or if you were super hot, you played both. Yeah. Um, so how,
1: you, uh, you were living in L.A. from what year?
0: I mean, I was born in 68, so
1: I was out here... Oh, I got confused. I, I think you have some family business in Miami. So I always thought you were from Miami. But okay, so you that's right. You did tell me. Bel Air, right?
0: Bel Air, yeah. but my parents moved to Miami in like 98 because they just had no more ties here. All all their kids were grown up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was ready to move, live on my own, I guess. So, uh, you know, they moved to Miami and, uh, you know, spent the last basically 10 years of their life down there. And, uh, but I mean, LA was just... You know, this was before the internet. So, you know, in the 80s in LA, if if you wanted to go out, you had to go out. I I mean, if you wanted to have a good time, you had to, you know, nowadays, it's like, well, let's watch Netflix and uh, let's, you know, rent a movie when, you know, before Netflix. You know, even if you want to go see, you know, Billy Idol play at the Wiltern, it's like, well, I'll just look up YouTube videos of him, you know, and, and, well, let's go to the comedy store. Well, I'll just watch george carlin on youtube yeah you know but back in the 80s if you wanted to listen to music you had to go to the troubadour you know you had to go to the comedy store you know now there's so many entertainment options you 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 could literally
1: you could have a date on your couch you could order in I think, eat 24. And- I think that's the one sad thing about having too much technology. There used to be a communal experience, right? Like if you want to see REM or YouTube on Litterman, you literally have to stay up night and watch because you didn't have any way to record it for most, most of us. Or if you're old enough, to remember when I went to see return of Jedi, I went that Friday night and Monday morning, all you did was talking to your friends, you know, like, <laughs> I think we're running out of experiences like that because you're right. Too many entertainment, too many show, whatnot, you know? Unless it's just kinda like WrestleMania, Super Bowl. You know what I mean? One of those such a massively main event, Manny Pacquiao versus Mayweather or something like that. Um it's really rare to find these days like a communal experience talking to people about it, you know?
0: But I mean, even like WrestleMania this year, like I knew it was Sting's only, uh, or first, uh, ever WWE appearance might be his last, mm-hmm. uh, Ronda Rossi and the rock was yeah. great. Yeah. But I mean, I looked into going in just, I would have paid to go see Sting, but it was like, you know, uh, plane tickets, you know, Five six hundred bucks, or if you drove up there from where I live, you know, I, I my car only takes ninety one yeah. gas, so that that's. Three, probably 300 400 bucks in gas tickets three or 400 yeah. bucks you know hotel especially you know how it is when there's a popular event the race yeah. are triple so i was like i'll
1: just watch it on tv at home and i had a great time um that was one of the few times recently i wish i was all clean comic because fluffy but tickets all his opening guys and took care of him and uh man those guys are so happy to be there and i, I think my impression i only saw, i didn't I, I didn't get to see it i, I read about it i still so, a Ronda Rousey part, but basically they say it's one of the best WrestleMania in a long time. Is that, is that true? Yeah,
0: yeah, well, I mean, it had a lot of buzz around it because, yeah. you know... If new stadium, if, yeah. New stadium. Uh, older wrestling fans like me were, oh, my God, Sting. It's his first WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, newer fans, uh, there were some great matches on it. You know, Dolph Ziggler, who's a big comedy fan. He, you know, he, he had a great match, the ladder match. Some crazy spots were in. And always the good to see... Uh, Rock, and Rousey yeah. and The yeah. Rock and, you know, uh, so it had a little something for everyone. Um But, you know, if that card was in 1985, I would have said, Dad, can we go to WrestleMania? You know, instead it was like... Sorry. It was in LA, right? No, no, it was in uh, San... Not San Jose, but uh, San Francisco where the 49ers play. Oh, no, no, no. The first WrestleMania. No, first WrestleMania, I think... uh yeah. In, i want to say madison square garden
1: oh is that oh i that want to sense. say but you're right i fan, think you're right yeah yeah
0: wrestling fans don't jump on me so uh but you know in the 80s it's like if you wanted to watch wrestlemania you either had to go to it or they yeah. might have just started doing pay-per-views around that time um you know now it's just
1: i think you're right because uh, the first scene of highlander it starts at the madison square garden okay where, yeah they're, they're fighting then garage sword
0: fight. Um, <laughs> Don't say sword fight in my neighborhood. That's a whole
1: different animal, But <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't have that strong feeling about that stuff from the nineties or, you know, this ticket, but I have to say something about eighties, man. It just, maybe because I was in high school still.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think it, you know, it's hard to explain it. You know, it's, it's like, You had so many bands in their prime. I mean, of all different genres. Springsteen, a a prime Springsteen. Uh, You know, the eighty, you know, Motley Crue, a prime Motley Crue, Judas Priest, Iron Man. Well, my aunt thought I was a devil worshiper because I was listening to Iron Man and Motley Crue, you know. Well, you know, there could be some truth to that, but. You know, you just had all these. And, you know, the action movies of the 80s were all pretty much filmed in L.A. except for Predator. You know, Schwarzenegger, Van Damme, Seagal, you know, Stallone. and And, of
1: course, the longest fight sequence with Piper. Yeah, Jesus. they live. Oh, man. That shit is, it never get old watching that. It's so great. Well, Piper's interesting
0: because John Carpenter had done... uh what was it, uh, big trouble in little China, which yeah. you know, it's a cult movie now, but that was a pretty big bomb. Uh, you know, I, at the time it was like one of the more expensive movies ever made, and it didn't quite do that well. And I, I think, uh, that's I think that's almost due for us, uh, remake. They are the rocks remaking it.
1: Oh, are you serious? I yeah. didn't know
0: that, which I don't understand. I mean, I, I, you know, you want to remake a movie, don't remake a classic, even though it was somewhat of a bomb, it took you know. I think Kurt Russell fans look at it kind of fondly. and
1: Man, I, I don't know if it'll work with The Rock because he's so big, but the fact is, when Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell did it, it's so funny. Remember the scene when he had a lipstick on his lips yeah. and then tried to act tough? He he was so comedically great. I mean, same director did the, the thing, right? The
0: thing and Escape from New York. Oh, man. Which, if you, uh, I love Escape from New York, man. That's movie
1: was made i think that's sasha gray's favorite movie of all time
0: it's well you just appreciate knowing how little the budget was for that movie i think a couple million bucks
1: and it still stands up absolutely another movie it's not quite 1980 because it was released in the late 80s but mad max i didn't know until recently it was made with so little money to make such an iconic film, you know? Oh. I mean, they were so broke that they used to sneak into these stores and steal their prop during the night. And they, before they opened the store, they'll sneak in, and bring that shit back. That's how much, how little they had to make this movie. And, well, it's,
0: it's the same story with Terminator. Yeah. Rocky, the first Rocky, you know, uh, probably the best example I think is Robocop. I mean, oh, yeah, it's great. No one wanted to be Robocop. <laughs> I can't say the director's name. It's uh, Dutch, right? Paul Verhoeven. Verhoeven. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, like Peter uh, Weller was not the first choice. Uh, Actually, the first choice was a great character actor, Michael Ironside, who you know him as kind of the badass drill instructor in Top Gun, like the guy who really hated Tom Cruise. Oh, that guy. Not Tom Skerritt, the guy with the mustache, but there was the other guy. uh, And he was too big for the outfit. Yeah. And I think there was one or two other actors, same thing. They were just too big. And finally, Peter Weller got the gig because he he fit in the suit. Um, but that movie was made... I mean, if, if you look at that money, you go, wow, they made this for nothing. Every scene was filmed at night because they like couldn't afford daytime shoots. But
1: it was such a
0: classic
1: film you know
0: no, oh, but then you get to like Robocop 3 where it's like this is awful
1: and you clearly they had more money in the budget and you know same thing with Terminator Some, sometimes sometimes it's not all about money you know like they keep remaking Godzilla film and like they don't understand the charm is when you see Godzilla there's a Japanese guy inside it doesn't have to be all fancy and high tech it's the campiness is the, what makes it so great you know and Uh, I still haven't seen any of those serious remake of Godzilla. You know, I mean. Oh, I mean, it's like my favorite Godzilla, uh, because I remember
0: watching it with my mom, is son of Godzilla. (laughs) I mean, Godzilla was a very abusive father. Yes. It's that one scene where he's trying to teach the kid to blow smoke, and he can only, like, bust out these little onion ring smoke clouds and then yeah. finally he hits him over the head with his tail and he yeah. blows out this big fucking blast <laughs> and uh, this end if you don't cry at the end of Son of Godzilla when they're walking away in the snow and they're like, he's got his arm around it it's like god damn dude that's some good stuff you know you can't re- you, you, today they would do that scene with CGI and lasers yeah. and you know it's like I, I know they're remaking this movie because uh, it's been rumored for years The Warriors are you serious? And they'll they'll butcher that film. Uh they'll make the gangs
1: have How does it go? Warrior to
0: play. What well, one of the great <laughs> improvised Come out, come out, come out. to play. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the great uh I think Patrick Michael Kelly. Of course you would know the name. Warrior <laughs> yes. come out to play. You guys are dead and you don't even know it. Uh, he, he, and he was also the bad guy, uh, one of the bad guys in uh, 48 Hours.
1: Talk, talk about uh, stuff that you can not get away. Uh, I remember watching recently the movie that I like, which is ironic because I'm not a music guy, but it's Saturday Night Fever. Man, they, the, some of the language they were using, a girl get raped, on and on. I, I forgot how dark that shit was well i mean you look at uh
0: i mean there's that one movie from the mid-70s 76 i think it came out kentucky fried movie <laughs> yes where they have that uh and i can't say what was said in the scene but if you look up rex kramer world's most dangerous stuntman on youtube you'll you'll see what i'm talking about where they have this guy you know they have this really good-looking guy in an evil Knievel suit doing a narrative. Rex Kramer, the world's most dangerous stuntman. He has to confront it, live it, and love it. Rex Kramer, the world's most dangerous stuntman. And then they show this nerdy white guy putting on an evil Knievel outfit. Yeah, and he walks over to a group of about six huge black dudes playing dice. <laughs> and he stands that's right right in the middle of the dice game and let's just say he says a particular word that most black people probably aren't fond of and he takes off running and you can do that scene today you know uh clint eastwood scene in escape from alcatraz where he walks up the the steps of where all the blacks are sitting it's his first day on the yard and he you know they're sitting in kind of a tiered formation yeah where the the higher that you go up, the less blacks they are until you get to the top step, and there's one black guy in charge. And Clint Eastwood looks at him. He starts to walk down the steps, and the black guy's like, I figure there's two reasons you didn't sit down next to me, boy. Either you're scared, or you just hate blank. And Clint Eastwood just sits down next to him and goes, I just hate. You couldn't do that scene. Yeah. I mean you, I mean you might argue he made Gran Torino years later but you know uh and uh, Django unchained
1: but uh I mean still these days the, there is certain racial terms are harsher than others like you could get away saying something bad about Asian way easier than than saying black people let's be honest here
0: well I just I mean you know but,
1: uh, uh, that's why Sarah Silverman and Connie O'Brien show and used the word chink. It didn't bother me. It's, it's it was funny in the context.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think back in the seventies, it was more like like Blazing Saddles. I don't think I mean, even though Django and Chain was made, I, I I can't see a network executive green lighting Blazing Saddles. But,
1: you know. It'll be tough un- unless you have a weight of a guy like tarantino or something i mean it seems like he could get away because he has pretty good con- connection with black people i think
0: well i he, saw him he, at the comedy store one night i'm like hey man i laughed 142 times in that movie <laughs> what did he say he kind of laughed i was like oh, get me away from this guy
1: but, um you know. i used to be on a podcast called dvdsa and when we had one an episode where everybody suggests which guest you know our fantasy guest that we could get and my choice was Tarantino, because talk about guy who understands entertainment. This guy knows movie, TV, you name it, comic book, novels. And I remember one year he was promoting Inglorious Bastard.
0: A great, if you have the chance to see it, the original, which I liked better than the I haven't remake. seen the original, I have to say.
1: Very campy
0: and like obviously no budget. And like the cast, definitely not the star level of... Uh you know, the remake, but, uh, you know, once again, I think it goes back to what we were saying, you know, the older versions are almost always better.
1: Yeah. And I saw him on the tonight show and they show a clip from the tonight show where Tarantino and Brad Pitt traveled to Japan and during a talk show. And I was blown away because he doesn't speak Japanese. I don't think, I don't think he does. And He knew exactly everyone on that fucking show, a TV show in Japan, and I think Tarantino is amazing to me because he loved entertainment. He he knows stand-up comedy, wrestling, Western movies, TV show. You know what I mean? Like when I met him one time in tonight show, He, he couldn't be nicer because I I used to work at the bar. Uh, before going to Torrance I my aunt had a, a bar near Torrance high. I had to go there every morning to clean the uh, bar before going to high school. And I was supposed to, I, I, you know, maybe had a glass or two of a beer when I was 16 or something like that, going to school. But right behind it is Pussycat Theater where Tarantino, I think, used to work in Torrance.
0: And, uh, well, there's a Pussycat Theater out here. Still? In West Hollywood, but it's a gay theater now called The Studs. Great matinees.
1: Yeah, and and, and and if you're too young to remember, but Pussycat Theater used to be a big porn franchise in Southern California.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, porn uh, in the 70s, mid-70s, you know, maybe stopped in the early 80s was uh, mainstream. I mean, you could literally, you know, they had premieres, and uh, I know the, there was a Pussycat Theater, which is now a regular movie theater in Santa Monica that was yeah. also a big one. Um, and... Uh, It's funny. I remember one night at the comedy store, I had a good set or something, and I was in such a good mood. I said to like four or five comics standing around, hey, let's go to the Studs Theater. (laughs) I just How funny. You know how comics, when when you have a group of, uh, a core group of your comedy friends, it's the best to go out late night eating or whatever. And I thought, let's just go in there. We'll laugh. We'll go into different rooms. Sure. you know heckle the people jacking off and uh so i said it's on me let me buy it thinking maybe it's gonna be 10 bucks each so we get up there and first of all i love the sign at the box office it said cash only yeah like who's cutting a fucking check to go <laughs> yeah. to a porno theater <laughs> And the guy's like, hey, how many in your party share? I'm like, six. He's like, that'll be $120. I'm like, what? What the fuck? What is this? The IMAX? Uh, It's like, how many blowjobs do you get? None. (laughs) Uh, Unless one of the guys you paid for is sucking you off after the car
1: ride home. (laughs) Why Um, is it so much?
0: You know, I think it's still, uh, I mean, I'll never understand who goes to see porn in a theater in 2015, but,
1: you know. Well, you're looking for other
0: people you're going to meet. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a hookup place, but uh, you know, it, it. I lasted like three minutes in there. I, it was like smelled like chlorine. And
1: wait, you guys still went in?
0: I went in after. I didn't tell it. This is the first time I've told this story. I, I dropped everyone off back at the comedy. Show. Yeah, I'm like all right, I'll pay twenty. I'm not paying 120 bucks. To no, because I knew we'd all get kicked out. But I mean, was it if was it packed? Uh, fudge packed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, the crowd was sporadic, but it was real creepy. And then they had like a straight porno room. I went in there, of course, there's no one in there in this neighborhood, you know, so i had theater seating. And-
1: yeah. Porno, uh, except for the seventies, it's, it's not a, something you do communal way. It's, it's very solitary and singular by yourself, obviously. And only time in the 70s, like, it was, like, Deep Throat was such a big event in New York City. Fucking, I think if I remember Johnny Carson, maybe even Kissinger, and people like Barbara Walters, they would they showed up and, like, it was like an event. And they would go see this blowjob movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, now. Which is kind of I
1: mean, artistic,
0: what it is. You're not having, uh, you know, Joe Biden... Uh, take his wife to see uh, Tom Byron's butthole bonanza, <laughs> you know, 17. So, you know, it's just a different. And now, as you know, it, being in porn for so long and not not anymore, but, you know, there's just too much access to. Uh, it, it, it's almost like we were talking about why go to a movie or a concert when you just watch Netflix, you know, why go to the few porno theaters that are out there when you can Uh, there's free porn all over the internet. Right.
1: Freecams.com or whatever that is. I think that's why I I enjoy working for David Tell when I worked on uh, Dave's Old Porn because we show respect to these 70s movies, some uh, 70s, some of the 80s, uh, maybe even late 60s, but like, they were actually filmed. Like, they actually have script and people had to act, you know, and it sounds goofy, but when I look at them right now, I kind of consider them like classic. Like, they're, Piece of uh, Southern California history, my well, San Francisco too. If you're into Mitchell Brothers, but um, they're actually kind of watchable, and they're not mean sex like these days. A lot of the porn is freak show. Yeah, I don't. You know, I can't get the Max
0: Hardcore and like, you know, uh, John Stagliano and you know Rocco sofredi and and it it's just I'm not into the violence uh, that porn offers because I just. It's not a turn-on to me, and, and you know, it's also with the digital clarity, you know, like I said, Blu-ray, high-def, 3D, I don't want to see a girl's vagina after, you know, Lexington Steel's been plowing her. It kind of looks like that thing Boba Fett fell into. <laughs> And, you know and, and you know that didn't look like a gigantic asshole in,
1: in Saudi Arabia or something <laughs> and Yeah, TT Boy's balls look like the moon you know uh, to be fair John Staliano did make a great feature film called Fashionista that's I think it's it really is a classic but you're right it's 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 just it's not even sex anymore it's like a freak show it's like a circus act you know and like they're trying to figure out how to outdo previous movies. But like, guys, you could you could actually make a movie where a girl actually enjoyed the sex scene and you don't have to do this weird shit.
0: Yeah. But, and I also think it's the pressure of, uh, you know, so much free porn and then payable porn, I guess, you know, to certain performers websites that, you know, no guy, and you would know this more than I would, you know, since it was your business for so long, no one's going to jack off to the same girl for more than probably a few months or a few films. So there's always that pressure, I think, to, okay, well, uh, Jenna Jameson, she's great and all. Well, let's get the next Jenna Jameson. And then, you know, she lasts for a few months. And so there's that constant search of, you know, keeping on top of the new hot starlet. So, I mean, am I
1: wrong in that or? No, you're absolutely right. Like... Uh, there's a scene from that 1994 classic, uh, Hoop Dream, you know, it's a great documentary about these two kids trying to make it to uh, be a star in high school and hopefully in college and MBA. And uh, when one of the kid doesn't have a ending that he wanted. Uh, the high school coach basically say, well, you know, one comes and one leaves, you know, somebody else will replace them, you know, and it's just never ending cycle of new talent will come in, do a little bit of that porn and basically leave. It's, it's just a gigantic meat market unless you're a star. Stars so thrive, but most porn girls You know, I just watched this documentary on Netflix called New uh, Hot Girls Wanted. So sad. And it's just, I mean.
0: I thought I was going to be in it because let's just say I've made some purchases online. They kept th- showing the back page screen. I'm like, Yees.
1: but I just interviewed my friend, Brandon iron, um, you know, who sponsored my show all the time. And, but he, he and I agree. Like, if you're going to have a documentary of porn, you're not going to have a happy ending. People are not going to make a movie where a bunch of girls get fucked in the ass and have a happy life. They're just not going to allow that. Uh, so I knew it's going to be a little biased, Um, you know, it was. it's kind of sad basically sad ending for uh, some of them um
0: well you know like yeah it's like we were talking about you know an eddie nash film there's no way you could have an eddie nash film because of the subject matter and you know uh i ha- had a friend over and they were like oh let's watch a documentary on netflix and so that just of course, that popped up in the <laughs> suggestions for Earl. Yeah, which tells you what other kind of because I watched another porn documentary. I think it's called Life After Porn.
1: Oh yeah, my friend Luke Ford was in it. That was yeah. pretty good.
0: Um, and I think Shane—I I might get his name—Shane West. He was one of the main something West, Steve or Shane West was one of the older guys and a uh, couple other uh, porn stars. And uh you mean Randy West? It might have been him. Yeah. Uh, Older guy who was a big star in porn, and then he was like, you know... He
1: made a mistake not going after Terry Patrick, if I remember. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Randy um, it's funny, because first time I met Randy West, going to porn convention in 99 with uh, Brody Stevens and uh, Tanner Manu, I remember he was giving this uh, uh, headshot, literally. It's a picture of him standing with his dick really hard, stick. you know, and he was just giving people autograph with that. And talk about, you know... <laughs> strange brave new world you know i mean that was my um uh, gateway to uh, get into that business i guess basically
0: i mean you know it's just uh i mean that the video hot girls wanted was just like there was the one girl with the glasses i forget her name but she seems so unhappy and uncomfortable doing the sex stuff you know, it was like, wow, I, I, it's, I mean, you know, I can watch anything pretty much. And at a certain point, me and my friend looked at each other and was like, yeah, is there something else on this? Is, and we watched the whole thing, but it was just like, kind of bummed you out. Like the Life After Porn one was sad, but yeah. it was not like so sad where it's like, oh, I,
1: I don't want to watch the rest of this. It's, it's it's very conflicting because on one hand, I'm still a man. There's moments like you 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 enjoy seeing those women in porn. And of course, there's plenty of times all oh, you want is get some whores in your life. But when you get to meet them and they're nothing like the way they present themselves in the movies, you know. And part of it part of the reason why they act like that because the market kind of demands them behaving that way too, you know. Maybe abused in some movies. Um another movies it's a clasher, classier type of porn. Um, but one comment that I always hear from these girls are like, they didn't like where they were in life and they want to get out of a small town, you know?
0: But, Uh, you know, I, I think it depends on who they run into and talk to. Like you could tell that that, uh, guy in the hot girls, uh, wanted, you know, he was just a fucking low level, you know, Dirt bag, you know, hillbilly pimp. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he
1: was. Whereas my good friend, my friend, Sasha Gray, she, she got luckily with, with the top notch, the best manager in the business. Who, Jim South? Mark Spiegler. Jim South used to have an office on Sherman Oaks. Yeah. <laughs> Um. yes you're right on Van Nuys Boulevard I mean for someone who doesn't watch a lot of porn I know a lot of no but you do know that the history of it because if you live here long enough and pay attention that's kind of obvious you know but and, you have to I yeah. mean like especially in
0: com. you know it's funny we talk pro wrestling is a lot like comedy I also think porn is
1: from the standpoint. well porn porn is wrestling with your asshole and pussy and touch your mouth you know
0: yeah I mean I, I do that on a stage every now and then <laughs> <laughs> you know my favorite porn interaction ever though is recently I saw Ron Jeremy at the comedy store. And, you know, you talk. he is the Robert De Niro of porn. I mean, even if you don't watch porn, you say that name to a Bible Belt person, they know who Ron Jeremy is. And I'm like, hey, you know I, Mr. Jeremy, I, I'd love to talk to you and get you on my podcast. And he just looks at me and goes, what's a podcast? I'm like, oh, <laughs> probably not going to be a good interview. But thank you, Ron. I love Gin 52
1: pickup. Uh, oh, that's right. He was in that.
0: Well, he had a very... Very quick scene, and 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 th- this goes to like Fifty Two Pickup is a great movie. I it always try and turn people on to that movie. Uh, one because I'm a huge hey sport. I, I <laughs> so want to get that guy. His name's John Glover, and I'll show you my autographed uh,
1: Fifty Two Pickup box cover. He was a bad guy, but he was also a accountant as a character in that movie. Remember but that? you liked him, yeah. Like, you know. Uh,
0: He's a great bad guy in several other films. But
1: complete sleazeball. I mean, complete slimeball. But
0: he, you know, I often say this about John Glover. You know, there's all these shitty acting coaches out here who teach acting who never amounted to anything in their own careers. Yeah. Same thing with comedy coaches. You know, you can't teach comedy. You're either funny or you're not. But if you needed to be a bad guy, and John Glover was teaching a class, you should pay whatever he charged because he just nailed it. And it not only did he kill it, but Clarence Williams, the third, who was the, he had two sidekicks, Clarence Williams, the third, who most people know from the mod squad and uh, several other films. And, uh, Robert Trebor, who's was a great character actor. He was like the nervous Jewy guy who was always scared they were going to get caught. And uh, of course, Roy Scheider and Anne Margaret. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, Roy I mean, Scheider was great. And that always bums me out. You know, Roy Scheider died, I think, in like 2009. And like it went, you know, hopefully he gets a little publicity because Jaws coming out in theaters again. He, he was, uh,
1: and we're old enough to remember that that movie changed. Summer movie business. Yeah,
0: it was the first summer blockbuster.
1: It was absolutely. It
0: made h- over a hundred million dollars, and that's when you know what's impressive about it making a hundred million dollars.
1: Absolutely genius.
0: But I that mean, was when tickets were five dollars. Yeah. If, if movie tickets were, I mean, I went to the movies the other night. What did I see? Uh, Mad Max, uh and it was like thirty-two dollars for me and my friend, and it's like. So, and Roy Scheider is one of the great unheralded actors. Uh, You know, you think about his career he had in the 70s, he was probably, uh, other than maybe De Niro, one of the top actors going. I mean, French Connection, Marathon Man, Jaws, uh, and, you know, a couple bad career decisions kind of, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but um, Roy Scheider was uh started principal uh production work on deer hunter he was the De Niro part he was yeah but he had a contract dispute with i think universal at the time and the only way he could get out of it was stopping doing deer hunter and yeah. they made him do jaws too he didn't want to do jaws too a lot of people from the original didn't because it was like i right, you know it just there's nowhere to go it's cartoonish if we have like the shark's brother out for revenge. Yeah. And uh you know so you think if Roy scheider did deer hunter uh you know instead of jaws 2 it might, you know he, he was he was definitely one of the more successful 70s actors and then the 80s he What was the dance thing that he did? Oh my god. I mean how I I I someone will probably tweet me uh, all that jazz. Yeah. Uh he I think he was up for the Oscar. I don't think he won it. He uh, was phenomenal he in that. Played thing. Bob Fosse. Yeah, I think that was seventy nine eighty. So I mean, his seventies film work is uh, very few can touch that seven eight year run he had. And then you know he had a kind of his crack at like him carrying a movie by himself, Blue Thunder, which was about that military helicopter. Uh, it didn't do that well. Yeah. And then uh, Fifty Two Pickup was poised to be a, a big hit but I think I want to say Fatal Attraction came out like a few months after and just killed it. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, because 52 Pickup, I think, came out late 86, if I'm not wrong, and then Fatal Attraction early 87. And they're not similar storylines, but to
1: a degree they are. It's similar that when you cheat on your spouse and you're trying to, uh, cover it up. And,
0: uh, personally, I thought, I mean, Glenn Close was pretty good to be honest, but I I just thought that
1: shit scared the fuck out of me
0: when I was a rabbit, but I mean, John Glover, just, you know, and, and, you know, vanity, a beautiful vanity before she found God. And, uh, so, you know, he, in the eighties he was kind of hit or miss. And then I know he was on that show Sequest and, uh, you know, then he, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, he was stuck doing, like, literally straight-to-video movies with, like, Gary Busey and shit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, hopefully with Jaws coming in theaters again, it'll give people a, an appreciation of Roy Scheider because he's so good. I mean, just, you know, and, uh, you know, we'll see, though. I mean, that's just, that's what bumps me out. Is like someone like him dies and you barely hear a peep. And then someone like Ann Nicole Smith dies. And, you know, I love my girls with big tits, but she wasn't that talented. And we still talk about her. Sure. You know, so that's, that's what bumps me out. It's like, who else died? There's a great character actor. Uh, you know, some people you probably know who this guy is, but you might not know his name. named G.D. Spradlin. And uh, he was one of I don't of the, recognize another name. You know his face, though. He was uh, the coach in North Dallas Forty uh oh that guy great uh southern uh just a southern badass uh didn't start acting until he was 50 yeah um he was also the coach in the robbie benson movie one-on-one and he was in apocalypse now as i think one of the generals and uh (laughs) just a great natural actor who like you hated him he was just so good and uh like he died recently a couple years ago and yeah uh, you didn't hear one word about it
1: uh, I'm I'm, being, I'm suffering brain farting, but I don't know how many times they will show a movie that's based on TV show and like young people saw and like it's so great, then they don't realize there's some remake of a TV. Like, I still we we you know the de- arrest uh, development we both still kind of act young, but I'm old enough. Like wow, man! Like I'm that old guy now. Like they don't know. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, they don't know these things. Like you watch like
0: like i love uh, the comedy central roast and like the last one you know i had several friends on it but me personally i just love the dean martin roast oh you can't because it's like you know don rickles you know like uh i was watching one the other night where he looked at will chamberlain and said just looked at him and said you know send the colored kid in to dance and you know it's like jesus that's 1970 you know it's like. Like, that's about as close to saying the N-word as you could back then.
1: But you know what's so uh, great about those old rows? That they they were more nuanced and not malicious. Because the new shit, sometimes, like, Jesus, the, they're fucking reptilian, how mean they were.
0: Well, I mean, like, the, the stuff today is just, like, mean for being the sake, sake of, of being mean, it. Yeah. Like, you look at Foster Brooks, and, and most young kids have no idea who Foster Brooks is, but... <laughs> YouTube Foster Brooks roasting Don Rickles. And to me, that's the greatest roast set I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's a little silly because he's playing that drunk character and he's like, you know, uh, he's, he's saying uh, not hacky things, but just like, hey, you know, Don, uh, sometimes I'm at home with your wife uh, watching your set on TV and we're laughing and giggling and sometimes we'll even turn the sound up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just stupid stuff like yeah. that, but it's like so funny. And he's like, uh, they kept calling him Mister Pickles, and you know, it's just you don't get that now. Now you just say, well, you know, Pamela Anderson, yeah, you're you love fucking black
1: guys. You, your pussy as big as a cavern. And it's just, I mean, it's funny, I guess. And you and you kind of have to sit there and then kind of smile, like, because last thing you want to hear from people is, is, oh, you can't take a joke, especially comedian. So you kind of have to take it. But you know when somebody's being malicious you know
0: well yeah it's just i think back then they were more friends
1: like they're friends it's it's teasing there's like sophistication some of the things they were saying but fuck i I watched some of the recent roasts like oh they're just just trying to fucking hurt that person
0: like the justin bieber roast i liked but you could tell that uh, i don't know if i would say a lot but a fair amount of the people on the dais didn't know justin like they knew who he was obviously but they they weren't like, friends with him. It was just, all right, let, let me get some outside writers to write me some jokes yeah. on this guy. Um, like, you know, I thought Chris DeLeo was good because they're friends. So there was, like, some play between them. And um, probably my favorite was uh, Hannibal Burris, who, uh, he kept it real. He just looked at him and you could tell they didn't really know each other. like, listen, man, uh, I think your music sucks. I'm just here for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, all right, at least you're being real
1: about it. So... You know, that is a one funny dude Hannibal, oh, he's a killer, like uh fucking he killed Cosby, good the, for him, well, I mean that Bill Cosby's
0: out of control, man, I mean, you know you know it's one thing it's one or two girls saying you drugged her and you know did allegedly did something, but when there's like fifty, yeah, it's like you
1: know, i I notice a pattern here, well, where there's
0: smoke, there's fire. <laughs> so i mean and it's just weird it's like
1: how did he have the time to film anything i mean that guy was out of control he wasn't filming was he
0: but i mean how did he have the time to film the
1: cosby show when oh oh, uh, no no sorry i thought you mean when he was raping those girls allegedly allegedly i mean but hey i think
0: uh i think oj's innocent so i mean i'm just
1: glad i'm just glad bill uh bill cosby never did a rape joke because he was too busy doing them, yeah, allegedly. I mean, his he believed in reality humor.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus. So uh, I'm just I'm going to Periscope the last few minutes of this podcast. Oh sure. I'm new to Periscope. Uh, me too. I don't personally like it, but
1: uh, it's it's the wave of the future. I mean, and I when know. I say wave, I mean tsunami.
0: Hey-o. Now let me ask you this: uh, I, I've often wondered, like. Uh what's rarer, a black scientist or an asian male porn star? How, in all seriousness, while well, I set that's, up the child porn count. Oh, in that case let me get to the next question then. Uh, it's wh- called anime everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hi y'all. <laughs> Why and I'm talking straight porn or I guess gay porn. I know there was that one asian porn guy who
1: killed the guy with a knife. What was his name? Ass Jabby or Oh, that guy. I actually knew that guy. I knew that guy. I, I what w- was his name, though? I can't. I'm sorry. I should remember. It's because it's a Chinese Dong something, but Dong Dong. I can't remember. Here's a weird part. I was flying back from Europe, and that was the news. All people heard was Asian guy working porn business in Van Nuys got murdered. So my friends panicked because how many Asian guys work in porno, right? So. Um, all my friends were texting me, trying to call me. But well, unfortunately I was flying from Europe back to the States. So my friends thought I got killed at the porn set. And then when I landed, of course I checked my e- emails and um, texts and told everyone that I'm okay. But that guy, that Chinese actor, he does a lot of fetish movies, but I just remember he was basically trying to stop this guy from murdering the manager of the uh, porn warehouse. And unfortunately he was being a good guy and he got killed. And you know what happened to the guy, uh, the guy who killed the Chinese guy with samurai sword, that black guy. I think he was a light-skinned black guy. He was in some canyon in uh, in the valley. Remember that? Cops are trying to stop him. Right. And he just, I think he jumped and fell off from the clip. And there's a clip of him holding a sword falling down the canyon. And he died. Um, I think he was suffering some mental illness or something. You think? Well, let's be honest. You, there's a lot of people doing comedy with mental illness, just like porn.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when I'm one of the normal ones, that paints a pretty good picture of stand-up. <laughs> then I'm normal. Yeah. I Very mean, normal.
1: Well, you're normal, too, though. I mean. I guess I'm more normal, I guess, comparing to the rest of the people in uh, porn and comedy world, I guess. But, but
0: it's like, what's normal?
1: Like, uh, But I know, Earl, looking at your place, you got your shit together, you know? Well, I mean, I'm lucky. You work in the business with a lot of dysfunctional people, but you don't bring that home, except for today.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but you are one of my closest friends, uh, you know, in, in in the business, and, you know, it's one of the few bad things I don't like about comedy. It's like we started together, at least out here. I knew you had started in Seattle with Brody, but, like, when you came out here, we started doing similar rooms. And, uh yeah. And then, you know, you, you you got in with Russell, I got in with Schneider, so you kind of, you're in two different worlds, and then you drift apart, you know,
1: uh, although we always try and talk, it's like, I, I miss some of the early days, the crew. I, I really miss the Philly West room we used to do, you know, I love doing that room, I like doing that room Van Nuys, and um, you were always nice to everyone you're You're the same guy I remember from eight nine years ago you're you know you don't treat differently because you you just made it to a comedy store and Rob Schneider. I know you're doing i because 'cause I'm into sports and I, and and these guys who are now familiar with comedy, but they're into hockey they always bring you up like oh do you know a guy named Earl Skacon? of course I mean. Well, you're, I mean... You're, you're Mr. Hockey, for God's sake.
0: Well, the funny thing, I'm trying to set up the camera where you guys can see Yoshi. Uh, sorry about the... the I'm really the, sorry that you have to see me. Dodgy camera work. There we go. Uh, sorry about that. It's a kind of a uh trying to lodge it against my hockey uh fuck it we're just gonna go back to where it was sorry guys out there in periscope land if you have any questions for yoshi before we wrap up you know uh let me know because what i try and do i could go another two hours with you but you know i find we're at about that mark where people are probably uh not getting exhausted well yeah it's it's you know i know after about 40 minutes on a podcast i check out yeah but, uh, you know, I think we have such a great history that hopefully everyone's finding the, you know, the, the jumping around of topics from yeah. to comedy to porn to, you know, Russell Peters to Rob Schneider to TT Boy.
1: And I don't want to repeat uh, our conversation, but maybe if they listen to it and if they like what, they, what we were saying, maybe they have a question for us. Because I want to interview for my podcast and... Um,
0: but that's where that's what I love about podcasts is you probably have different listeners than I do. Yeah. Um, hopefully, my listeners go, "Oh, who's this Yoshi guy?" What? What? Where can they find your podcast?
1: Uh, it's it's called Yoshi Ditten Podcast on iTunes and Stitchers, and I release. I should be releasing everything uh, on Mondays, but uh, one one episode per week. It's been pretty uh, random, I guess.
0: But it's hard, though. I mean to. To even if you go mobile with your podcast, which I don't really like doing, yeah, Um, I like to have people come here and then they sit on a nice couch, sure, and it, you know it almost <laughs> takes the vibe of a talk show. Uh You know, it's hard as you know to you know people should really appreciate people who do podcasts, put them out there because it's not easy to get someone to commit to an hour
1: plus of of anything in this sure. business, so um i mean even if you make money like guys like joe rogan still a lot of work and he released sometimes two to three episodes per week man
0: oh yeah and what i like about rogan's is like i'm a huge ufc guy love the ufc um although once again dating back to the olden days i i prefer the olden days you know of ufc to uh you know what it is now but um you know his podcast is great because he just doesn't have ufc people on it he actually very rarely talks about
1: uh i need to get you on my friend's uh, podcast uh josh gross and he's considered like number one best mixed martial art reporter and he has a podcast once a week and this is how good it is i don't know exactly what he did i forgot but he pissed down and why so he cannot go any of the ufc uh, fights but he still have the best, best access and report on UFC stuff. I mean, he's unbelievable. And, um, uh, I mean, Rogan have a lot of respect for him, and so that's judged for him. But, yeah, he's he's another guy that grew up in, you know, Southern California area. And- What's
0: What happens when you go up against the UFC? If you say one bad word about them, you know, you're not going to be uh, welcomed. It's like i mean they're just such a humongous
1: i mean that's a behemoth right i mean well
0: it's the same thing with like you know when i when we first started I, I said i think piper likes having me on the podcast because
1: all those funny references man you're so good at it
0: but i mean the wwe doesn't pay my bills so no uh, i will say th- this wrestlemania sucks because blah 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 blah, right. uh and you know i think josh is probably the same thing you know like you know, I love the UFC, but you know, I would love to talk to Dana White. <laughs> you know,
1: because, because too many people said, um, you don't get boxing. Because I watched the Mayweather and Pacquiao fight, I thought, ugh, too much hype, and I didn't enjoy as much as I thought was going to. But UFC, even though I don't know all the names except Ronda Rossi. When I watch the fight, like, man, there's going to be some hard-hitting, kicking, and fucking chokeholds, you know? Like, it was really—UFCs are very exciting. Even, even if you don't understand all that nuance with fighting, it's fucking exciting, man. How could you not enjoy people go at it like that and talking a lot of shit to each other? Well, what I like about it is, you know, yeah, they have got the
0: main event fight. You know, yeah. like there's one uh, coming up in Mexico, which is going to be huge. Uh, Mexico City, uh, Mexico City. It's uh, the main events. Kane Velasquez, who's the, it, it's a weird situation. He's he's injured so much. He's yeah. the heavyweight champ, but the guy he's fighting, Fabricio Verdum, is the interim heavyweight champ because they basically had to strip the belt off of Velasquez because he, he just keeps getting hurt, but he's clearly the best guy. Yeah. So, you know, everyone's going to tune in for that fight, but there's also four other fights that, you know, are, are going to be pretty good. So, you know, it's like with the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, you didn't know one person on the undercard. Like they didn't even, I, I still to this day, I, you know, I can't complain about the hundred dollar price tag about that fight. Cause I stood outside Sal ranch and watched it for free. So, uh,
1: you know, that fight would have been good five years ago. Yeah, but I have to say, man, Mayweather, whether you like him or not, but what an unbelievable showman. You know, oh, he's great. He, he's The guy's a genius. Hate him, like him, but I just say that that's a crazy amount of money and just like, holy fuck, you know. Maybe boxing's dying, but not, not for him. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, he's, uh, you know, there used to be a heavyweight uh, fighter in hockey, big, huge black guy named Donald Brashear. And uh, he wasn't very popular with uh, hockey fight fans because he was kind of a boring fighter. Like, yeah. he would get you in close yeah. and basically give you noogies on the back yeah. of your head. And so the argument was, well, yes, he's winning every fight, but he's boring. He never opens up. He's not exciting to watch. And that's the same thing with Mayweather. It's, yeah, he's winning every fight, but, you know, he, he kind of runs from you and then he'll hit you for a couple yeah. of times. And
1: people who complain to that, I, all I have to have to say is, But fuck, it works for him, so why would he change?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, so you have to, like, with Rousey, with any champion, Velasquez, Muhammad Ali, to Larry Holmes, to Lennox Lewis, to Tyson, to Brock Lesnar. Yeah. You know, is it their job to entertain me or to
1: win in the safest and most... uh, Win first, and if they could entertain, that's fine, but win first. Hey, uh, before I let you go, what do you think John Jones, what do you think is going to happen to him? Do you think... Well, that's another dude who... Uh, it's, sad. Uh, it's sad to see him go like that.
0: They had, you know, uh, Daniel Cormier fight Anthony Johnson, and yeah. now Cormier's the interim champ, like, for right. doom. I mean, you know, we talked about it the first five minutes. You have so many yes men in your life, and I don't think Jones has someone who's like, listen, motherfucker, you're messing up. Yeah. Stop. You're
1: gonna... And what Wait. would you say? He might beat the shit out of you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he not might. He will. The thing about him, and I don't want to turn this into a UFC talk, because, uh, you know, but what what's so great about him is that he beats you at what you're good at. Like, Daniel Cormier is an Olympic wrestler. Uh, two-time Olympian. I didn't think he was gonna win. But here's the thing. The crazy thing is John Jones took Daniel Cormier down five times. Now in Cormier's previous 12 fights, and he had fought at heavyweight for most of these fights. He was never taken down once. And John Jones has very little, uh, He doesn't have a huge wrestling background. That just shows you how good he is. Yeah. And like with... uh, And two of his brother play for NFL. Yeah. One guy's on the Ravens, I think. Yeah. Or Falcons. Or maybe that's...
1: Ravens, yeah. Yeah. He plays for Ravens, and he he hasn't actually punched a wife or girlfriend.
0: Well, that's why he's probably not going to last long in this league. (laughs) But that's, I mean, hopefully he gets his shit together, because he is like the Mike Tyson. uh, He and Rousey are like the Mike Tyson of their era and their sport. I mean.
1: But Rousey's, man, not only is she the best fighter pound to pound uh, in the world, but talk about charisma. She she bring excitement to that fight. She's so good. She was so good at WrestleMania. The faces that she was yeah. making.
0: Oh, she's great. I mean, and like what I liked is that, the, you know, she has enough. She's probably the most powerful fighter in MMA in terms of the juice that she yeah. carries. Um, her next
1: opponent, uh Beth uh, I think her name's Beth but it's, it's Brazilian so it might not be. I don't know who she is but I hope Rousey beat the shit out of her because she was talking about Rousey's uh, father who you committed know, suicide, suicide yeah.
0: but she what I like about Rousey is she could have said to Dana White I want that fight in Vegas I don't want to travel I want that fight I basically have to walk out my front door yeah. I wanted it at Staples Center um, she
1: doesn't give a shit. She'll go to that. She's going to Brazil. She's going to go to her opponent's home, and she's going to beat the shit out of her.
0: I saw her fight once in San Diego, my uh, friend Keith Barry, and this was when it was strike force. He was yeah. on the undercard. So I went to see him, and, and she fought Sarah Kaufman. And Sarah Kaufman's what, what a great female fighter. And uh, you could tell Kaufman's game plan was defend the armbar. Yeah. And she did, and she still like it was like watching a scene in over the top where Kaufman had it completely uh defended and you just slowly but surely saw her arm going in a way it probably shouldn't. Yeah. And uh you know Rousey's a lot like uh Jones, she'll beat you at what you're good at. Even though her background is judo, uh you're going to try and out wrestle her, she'll out wrestle you and yeah. then get you in a judo throw. So it's
1: it's pretty... Uh, it's tough to beat her. It's like that Mitch Hedberg joke. It's like if you're a tennis player and you're trying to play, in, play it against a brick wall, good luck with that. Everything that you hit, it's going to be hit back at you. Well, yeah. I mean, that's,
0: you know, I, the, there's one girl, and it's questionable if she's a girl, uh, Cyborg, uh, you know, who's like this 170-pound, you know, roided-out monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, she fights at 145. Um, that's maybe the only girl who could beat Rousey, but they. Rousey is very adamant, and I think rightly so. It's like you know, Cyborg's been caught a few times cheating on roids. Yeah, she's like, you either fight me at one thirty-five, or I don't fight you at all. Um, and if you look up a picture of Christine Cyborg Santos, I mean, she is more muscular than any dude on earth. So uh, probably a bigger dick than me. No, not definitely I mean, uh, I mean her dick looks like a. I think uh, her pussy has a handle on it <laughs> and uh, you turn it to the right it makes butter you turn it to the left slurpee comes out so uh, that's the fight uh, you know when they I think what's going to happen is
1: uh, and we'll wrap up because I know you got gigs tonight and uh, you know I have to go see Russell Peters but I have to take bus because I can't get my car fixed for the mission so um, it's a hell of a Bus ride to Malibu right now.
0: Well, we'll wrap up, but uh, you know, I think uh, MMA is very close to being legalized in New York, and I think they
1: are going to save the Rousey. Uh, Are gonna, you sure about that because what Jim Norton told me it's because they can't make deal with the unions.
0: Well, here's the thing, the senator who was always the main guy blocking it, yeah, uh is in jail on corruption charges. So he was like, yes, they do the Fertitas have problems with the unions. Yeah. But this senator was, and I forget his name, he was the main guy holding up every time, um and the most vocal opponent, but uh I know I believe Madison Square Garden has a date set in December for an unannounced event, which is very rare that you would hold off a date in the middle of hockey and basketball season. And the rumor is that... uh, It's for the UFC
1: if they can get their uh, cards. I hope so. I think people in New York deserve to see it.
0: Well, I think what they would do is you'd have Chris Weidman fight on the card. He's the current middleweight champ, and he's from New York. Uh, John Jones is from Ithaca. uh, Oh, wow. And he's from, you know, so you'd get that. And you, you, you would line up. Every fight would be just some... It'd be like the Super... Usually they had their Super Bowl card in Vegas, but yeah. you'd have Rousey on that card against Cyborg. Chris Weidman against uh, Luke Rockhold. John Jones against Cormier. I mean, that... You know, nothing will ever hit... That's uh, like the
1: Super Bowl version for that.
0: And even like the preliminary fights on that card would be guys who probably fight in the main event,
1: but it's like, sorry, guys. Yeah. Like,
0: so I know you got to go... So uh That's I,
1: almost like a up version. Like if you had like Louis C.K., Dave Attell, uh, Amy know, Schumer. Dalia,
0: Jim uh, nor Dave Cook. Yeah. Uh, so where can people... Earl Skakel. Well, not yet, but I mean, I'm certainly not on that level yet. But, uh, you know, I, I I didn't get new faces from Montreal this year, but I got uh, old faces of Montebello. It's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's an open mic. Larry Omaha is running. <laughs> oh, uh, that's so funny. old so, Larry. Oh yeah, Larry Omaha. I remember I did one of his rooms. It was an all Mexican room in Montebello, and they were dead quiet for me. Literally wild
1: like, coyote. People got. Yeah, uh, I, I, I have stories about they're running away because they want to kill me. I had to stay in the garbage can for like an hour before uh, they got away. A wild room. And I thought I had bombed because I did. No, you did well if they didn't want to threaten you.
0: I did 15 minutes and I was a pretty young comic at the time. And uh, dead silence. Then clapped and booed did nothing. And I, and I got off stage and I apologized to Larry because that's how I am when I do a room and I, I don't do well. It's
1: not your fault. That's just a rough room. But I've, I seen, I've him, seen people getting punched, knocked out, pulled a gun on someone.
0: I said to Larry, hey, man, I'm really sorry, man. Can I come back? He's like, dude, you killed. They loved you. I'm like, they didn't say anything. He's like... That's what they do in this room if they like you, <laughs> yes. You know, which is uh, funny because they always, you know, there's a very famous clip of Kiss in Japan, I think in '77, and you know, hear Kiss with bombs, explosions, yeah. and the crowds like they're just everyone's on the edge of their seat, yeah, and they're giving like golf claps, yeah. And I, uh, Paul Stanley, said something to the effect of, "I thought we were awful and they were going to boo us, but that's how they watch a show." And, yeah,
1: that's how that's 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 a, that's a lot of reaction, but... and it's. Uh, like i told you i was watching that
0: aj styles wrestle in japan it was very much the same i think it was sold out not tokyo dome but a huge arena yeah and him and this guy would do these wild stunts and backflips and clotheslines and off the top rope into the apron and they would get like golf claps
1: wait so uh how long do we do this thing for this uh let me
0: see so plug your uh where can people find you on twitter
1: uh, it's Yoshi Obayashi I know that's uh, ridiculous Hiya. Y- Y-O-S-H-I-O-B-A-Y-A-S-H-I And um, uh, I, I have my weekly podcast Yoshi did Den- I release them once a week and On only,
0: iTunes and Stitcher?
1: Yeah And only uh, I have shows I have is I think I'm doing I might be doing Another stand-up During the San Diego Comic Con With Red Band Because he has every year But I don't know where And late June, I'm doing a show opening for Jimmy Kimmel's sister. I just found out a couple of days ago in Sacramento. Oh, cool! And one last thing, uh, the Bill thing that I was talking about uh, next Monday, uh, it's at the Sina family. You know what that is? That's the yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're they're showing. Get mean. And uh, they fixed it. So um, Bill Lustig, the the director I was talking about, and he will be there with uh, uh, Tony Anthony and producer Loy Batista. So they'll be there next Monday at CineFamily. Family.
0: So if you're in LA, check out next Monday. I'll be Monday there. So, yeah, uh, Cinema Family. It's a cool thing. And uh, guys, as always, you know this is inappropriate Earl on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks, Earl. And uh, no, thank you. And uh, check me out also on the. Uh, Podcast one network on uh, co-hosting with Rowdy Roddy Piper on Piper's Pit. Uh, today we did a great one with uh, legendary wrestling manager Jim Cornette. Follow him at at the Jim Cornette on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as just Earl Skakel. E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L. Please uh, rate and review us on iTunes, good or bad. I leave them all up and uh, spread the word about Inappropriate Earl. Because the bigger uh, you guys make the podcast, the better the guests I can get. And that makes it better for you. And uh, thank you to Yoshi. He's one of my true friends in the business. Hope you guys enjoy it. This is a two-hour and eight-minute podcast setting the record for Inappropriate Earl. It's the longest podcast in Inappropriate Earl history. Hope you guys enjoy it. Thursday, we got Nina Strauss the beautiful and incredibly talented female guitar player from Alice Cooper coming in. So enjoy that one. And this is Inappropriate Earl over and out. See ya!